On today's show, Howard sits down with comedian, actress, writer, and co-host of the Oscars, Amy Schumer. I thought Amy did a great job. I think she's terrific. She's a real pro. After years of Hollywood ignoring women's stories, this year we finally got a movie about the incredible Williams sisters' dad. Yes, Archie in California, you're on the air. Hey, how's it going? Hey now. Hey now. Uh, just, uh, Cuba Garfi died. What? And Hello? 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 Yeah, yeah. Hello? I'm here. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. You're on the air. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Gilbert Garfield died. I'm sure you heard. What? No. You didn't hear? What? He died yesterday. Really? Some illness. He had some, I don't know what the illness was, but he died yesterday. I am shocked. Unbelievable. I'm I genuinely know. shocked. That's, no, I, of course I know. Archie, I know. <laughs> I actually, I, I believe say, it or not. Terrible acting. <laughs> I go, what? Uh-oh. <laughs> yes, I know. I Gilbert know. I would like to have been proud wow. of that. <laughs> yeah, Gilbert would. But the difference between me and Gilbert is Gilbert would have carried that on for seven hours. <laughs> yeah. uh, I well, saw I Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel Jimmy Kimmel tweeted. Believe. All right, uh-huh. Archie, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I interrupted oh, sorry, you. Sorry, I just can't Feel believe free. it. Like, shop. All right, thank shop. you, thank you. Oh, what an annoying phone call. I'm, I'm because of the quality of his phone. It was like he was clipping. I yeah, don't you know could why. only hear part of words. Oh, I don't know why the technology hasn't gotten better, or is it the is it the user? In other words, do people call my show and put themselves on speaker, or well, I don't know what it is, but it seems to me the quality of the call. Now, I did read that the quality of your cell phone using digital connections is better than anything we've ever had in the past better than landlines and yet when they call my show it's like <coughs> what who <laughs> That's all I hear. And it annoys the fuck out of me. I love to talk to the listeners. Don't get me wrong. It's a nice aspect of the show. But my God, it's like a struggle to hear them. And you're like, what the fuck is it? And then I start talking over them because I the flop sweat starts coming over me. And then they start talking. And it's just a nightmare. Now, Jimmy Kimmel tweeted, one of a million crazy, funny Gilbert memories is when he made a deranged caller to the Howard Stern show repeat a long story 15 times, each time pretending he couldn't hear what he said. <laughs> and if you remember, it was uh, it was uh, Abe, whatever his name was, Abe Hirschfeld. Uh, Abe Hirschfeld. The Bill, well, no, not, is it Hirschfeld? I don't know what the guy's name was, but he was a guy who ran for mayor once. He was a builder in Manhattan. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize it was somebody famous. 
Yeah, he was a well-known character in New York, and uh, he called in with a joke or some story he heard, and Gilbert pretended he couldn't hear it, <laughs> and he made the guy repeat the story 15 times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, it was so funny. Yes, Gilbert Gottfried is dead. I was shocked to hear. I had no idea. I haven't been in touch with I Gilbert wondered for... if you had heard that he was ill. I hadn't. I heard that morning from somebody who contacted me. Ah, but the morning the, he, that he was of. that he was yeah. dying. Yeah, and Ooh. he wanted me to know, and I was like, "Oh gosh, that's awful." Yeah, the the, the thing Jimmy's referring to is Abe Hirschfeld was a millionaire developer who went to jail for hiring a hitman to kill his business partner, and he called us from jail, and uh, Gilbert just busted his balls for like. I don't know, maybe 25 minutes or so. I want to, you know, I'm doing this from memory, but right. it was one of the funniest moments on the show. And I have so many Gilbert memories that I can share with you. Very sad. Gilbert was uh, 67 years old. And uh, from what I read in the papers, he had several illnesses going. I was unaware. I haven't spoken to Gilbert. Yeah, the one maybe... I did hear about was a genetic muscle Thing. Like a like like a muscular dystrophy type thing. Yeah. So who knew that? But you know, he always uh, listen. He always he, he never looked like the picture of health. But I never considered no. that he wasn't healthy. <laughs> you know, I don't think about those things. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, I guess Gilbert was suffering at the end, and it was a pretty quiet thing, which probably really annoyed Gilbert that no one picked up that he was ill and it wasn't in the newspaper because. Years ago, Gilbert got a uh, terrible appendicitis attack, had to have his appendix removed. And Gilbert would not uh, call a hospital or an ambulance because he was afraid that it would cost a lot of money. But not so only just... that, the headlines. Remember, he talked about, I didn't want to see that headline. So he was going to stay in his apartment and die yeah. so that nobody was... would write comedian, blah, blah, blah. He was very afraid that, of course, the newspapers would get a hold of his illness. <laughs> so Gilbert eventually had to go to the hospital. They took him because he was close to death. He was poisoning his body with this appendix attack, and he was in tremendous pain. He went, and after, and, and he developed an infection, and he was in the hospital way longer than most people would normally be. Well, when your appendix and, bursts inside of you because you're just hanging out with it, it poisons your whole body. He had septicemia, I'm sure. So he 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 was in the hospital for weeks. And word got back to me that he was upset that um, at first he was like, I don't want the papers to find out. And then when the papers didn't find out, he was like, how could I mean, I'm in the hospital for weeks. Nobody cares. Yeah, what, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Remember, he was. Like yeah, he thought he was a lot more <laughs> famous, like that. It would somehow be news. And I was like, do you want me to tell people you're in the hospital? I, th I He was really like, it's funny when you see people who are famous hiding from the paparazzi, this, that, and the other thing. But, you know, five minutes later, they're on um, on uh, Instagram uh, showing you every picture inside their house. You go, <laughs> well, which which way do they really want it? Do they want do they want to hide from the paparazzi or do they really love the paparazzi? So I thought it was funny. Gilbert got upset, but anyway, I went to see him in the hospital. A couple of comedians had gone. Um, uh, Richard Belzer had gone to see Gilbert in the hospital. Penn uh, and Teller, I think. Uh, who? 
Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller? Yeah. I think Penn just went. I don't know if Teller May, Yeah, you know, Teller <laughs> seems to be there even when he's not. So <laughs> I know Teller was quiet if he was there. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. Yeah, there were guys, you know, there were people who went to see Gilbert and, uh, it was a weird scene because I had never met Gilbert's mom and his sister before. And it was just amazing to even think that Gilbert had a family. So I was like, wow, there's Gilbert's family. And uh, I've told this story a million times about Gilbert, but Gilbert was very, very, uh, upset and infamously cheap. He wouldn't buy himself things. So, uh, when I was there, he said, do you think you could get me, um, some, uh, he would. He wouldn't even put it like that. He would go, you know, I, I I have the wrong kind of underwear. I need underwear that doesn't have such a tight elastic because it's upsetting my uh, appendix wound. You know, I go. Well, why don't you? There's a there's a uh, there's a million stores. Why don't you just buy some new underwear? Oh, you know, I don't know. And uh, and and then he asked me. Uh, he's yeah, he's asking me about pajamas and a bathrobe. And then he said. I don't really own a digital thermometer, and when I go home, I don't know what I'm going to do. And um, it was a very strange conversation, and I said, I think this guy's asking me to buy him pajamas, a bathrobe, and a digital thermometer. <laughs> but I'm really kind of shocked, like maybe he doesn't have money or something. I didn't, I didn't know. He'd been a guest on our show many times, but I didn't really know the guy personally. I just, it was the first sort of personal, outside of the radio show interaction I had with him. And here he was, uh, you know, sort of panhandling for pajamas, a bathrobe, and a digital thermometer. And he was rather depressed. He was going to quit show business. He never did, but he was questioning his whole existence. And I was like, wow, this is the funny Gilbert Gottfried being very serious with me. Oh, he was not funny at all in the hospital. <laughs> no, it, I was like, wow. So I got, I felt terrible. I, I got myself together. I bought him pajamas. I bought him a bathrobe. I bought him underpants. I got him the digital thermometer. I, I sent it over to his place. And then I think I started, then he was telling me that. So I called him again to check on him. This is why I don't check on anybody. Because <laughs> I always end up getting suckered into taking care of them. This is like with my parents. Every phone call I get on, it's, it's thousands of more dollars of care. Uh, I go, um, he goes, you know, um, they're telling me I gotta get, uh, this kind of, uh, uh, medication. And I go, Gilbert, is it, where do you, don't you live in Manhattan? And there's gotta be a pharmacy that delivers right next to your yeah, apartment. On the corner. <laughs> well, I don't know how to do that. I think he wanted me to go get him his medicine. And I said, listen. You're going to have to figure this out. I'm, I'm out of this picture. I saw you have a sister and a mother. But I don't know what you're calling me. I mean, I was really, I mean, he, he had me, um, I was like a nurse. You were running errands. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this guy really, he really worms his way into your life. I got enough people to take care of. I had uh, three young children at home. I, I'm looking to take care of Gilbert Gottfried. But uh, Gilbert survived this horrible appendix attack, despite the fact yeah, that he almost that did himself in. that was a question at one time, whether he was well, going to survive it. Yeah, because he had this horrible infection. And, um, you know, I just remember, right, right you know, he, I, I said to him, could, could uh, I don't know, he somehow just got me... Getting, running around getting him a lot of free stuff. Here's what Gilbert wrote. Right before he left, Howard asked me if there was anything he could bring me. My eyes filled up with tears the way they do whenever I think I'll be receiving some free shit. I ran through a long... 
I ran through a long list of things I could use, and I kept updating that list from week to week. Yes, he's right. Until finally, Howard just sent me uh, a pair of slippers and called it quits. He never again <laughs> made the mistake of asking me if I needed anything. He was I had like no idea. Wendy. He was like Wendy, the slow adult. He yeah, I didn't realize. always got an ask in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I was like, what is going on? I don't know him that well. And now I'm like kind of, I didn't know his infamously cheap qualities like <laughs> then people started to tell me if you go to gilbert's apartment he it is decorated in lawn furniture because it's the cheapest kind of furniture he could buy <laughs> and that the apartment was strewn with uh, chinese food takeout buckets and things like you know this is how he lived he didn't have dishes even nobody cleaned the apartment and uh people would tell me um he would go on television shows and just ask for free stuff and he would like, and like really even clean he, out the green rooms, you know, like he'd get a couple of meals out of it. Yeah. Like, like, like <laughs> we would, um, there was a funny story that Gary once told me how he was up at NBC. Gilbert was a guest on a show and they were like, Oh, is there anything, you know, we can get you or something? Maybe it was even our show. I, I forget the story. And, uh, he asked, he asked for insulin. He asked the person <laughs> if he could have free insulin. I think they got it for him. Oh, my you know. goodness. Yeah. Where did he get the free insulin, Gary? It, how it was, was the that? Alan Colm show. And, you know, so you go into the green room, you go, can I get you anything? So Gilbert goes, insulin. And the producer just laughs. Oh, Gilbert's being funny. And Gilbert insisted he needed insulin. So they sent someone to a drugstore. They got it. And it turned out Gilbert was on his way to his aunt's house, who was diabetic. Right. And was supposed to bring her insulin and didn't want to pay for it. So he got someone oh, else to pay for goodness. it. <laughs> Yeah, I think Jay Leno said on the Tonight Show Gilbert would uh clean out the green room. I know he did with us. He I remember him Going. leaving our I remember him leaving our studios with uh a bunch of free waters. Like like yeah. we, all we had in our green room was water and Gilbert would leave with like maybe twenty five bottles of water. Load you know, up. Spring. Yeah. So I'm yeah. load up. But you know, Howard, he he was when when you read that quote about he would get tears in his eyes, you know, when he to get free shit, it was insane and he was proud of it. I was on a plane with him once. We were in business class flying out to Los Angeles and they served us pancakes. And you know, those two, the syrup packets, yeah. he took his and then he asked if it was okay if he'd take mine. And then, you know, those little teeny weeny salt and pepper shakers, all yeah. that went in his bag. And then <laughs> when you get to the hotel, I was unaware that when you go to a hotel, you can go to the front desk and ask for a, it's a very small toothbrush and toothpaste. And that's free that they give it out, you know, for people who maybe forgot it. And Gilbert would go down. And he would get as many as he could. He would say, can I get one? And he goes, any chance you have another one? They'd give him a second one. And then after the third one, they'd look at him. And then the fourth one, they wouldn't give him. But right. he would get as wow. many as he could. Wow. Wow. Well, do you think he was, you know, amusing himself when he kept making those calls to you? No. Oh, oh. No, 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 no. He's not you, amusing he really, himself. He's not yeah. amusing himself. Yeah, he was the strangest guy in the world, Gilbert. And uh, like I said, I never got to know him personally. I interacted with him personally, you know, in the hospital. The few times I, you know, saw him, I called him on the phone to see how he was feeling. And uh, there was one other time I was at a restaurant, a really nice restaurant, and he was dating his now wife, you know. And yeah. uh, I ran into him on the street and we had a very awkward conversation. It was just very, very kind of, oh, hey, Gilbert. And he'd be like, oh, hello. And he looked at me like he didn't even know who I was. Right, I'd been yeah. On the show. We saw him outside of here. He he was like a stranger. 
it looked like he'd been on, you know, he, he looked like he met me for the first time, and yet yeah. he'd been on the show maybe 50 times. So I'm standing there on the street with him, and I'm talking, and it's just stilted. It was just very awkward, and I go, oh, who is this? Like, he doesn't even introduce me to this woman. Hardly looks at you, actually. And it, and then he looked at her like she was a stranger. He goes, oh, oh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, like, like he didn't even know her name, but, but, but he, you know, he was almost engaged to her. Right. Or maybe he was Certainly even married to her. After that, he was married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he was already married. I don't remember. And then I said, oh, and I remember the conversation was just like, I will, oh, we just came from such and such a restaurant. Right. And it was, a, right. It, it was a, a place called Alain Ducasse. I had taken Beth there and, it, it's no longer there in New York, but it was considered the greatest, most um, uh, expensive restaurant because Alain Ducasse was this famous French chef that uh, when you went there, he had the beautiful food. And I thought, you know, I'm in New York. This is a once in a lifetime experience. I should go try this food. I've read about it. And we had this wonderful night. And I said to um, Gilbert, I said, you and your, your girlfriend or your wife. I said, you, you should try this restaurant. This guy is supposedly the greatest chef in the world. And I got to tell you, the food was amazing. It was rather expensive. He looked at me like I was an alien from another planet because, you know, the idea of spending money, expensive restaurant, famous chef, just, it just wasn't going to happen. Uh, those were the only two real private conversations. And then professionally, you know, I thought Gilbert was one of the most naturally funny, most gifted human beings on the planet. And for a while, I actually was under the delusion that I could produce him, that I could um, turn him into the world's most successful comic because he had such natural talent. It was like finding a diamond in the rough. It was like finding a piece of coal. And like Superman, I would squeeze the coal and turn him <laughs> into a diamond. That was my impression of Gilbert. Yes. And so when I had this TV show little TV show for sure, just a local television show. Uh, Gilbert, I, I, I said to him, Gilbert, would you do your character, uh, Gilbert Dice Clay? He did a perfect, uh, Andrew Dice Clay impression and it was really funny. And I said, but what I need you to do is stick to the character. It'll be so funny. And I know that, and I knew that Gilbert had been on Saturday Night Live and it didn't work out for him. He was only on for 12 episodes, but he didn't, he didn't, um, it didn't matter to him. In other words, it was my shit that I was pinning on him. I wanted Gilbert to be the most successful, most the, the most celebrated comedian in the world because I knew he had the natural talent. But Gilbert didn't want to be pushed. I always tried to tell Gilbert what to do. I said, you know, why don't you come on and be Andrew Dice Clay? Why don't you come on and just do your vampire character? In fact, one time I hired Gilbert when I was producing uh, Son of the Beach, the TV show. Uh, I, I, um, uh, Tim Stack had written a script for him where he played his vampire character, his, you know, his vampire, which was so funny. It was a Jew, a rabbi who gets bitten by a vampire and he's a Jewish vampire. And it's the <laughs> funniest fucking thing ever. So I was like, Oh, if Gilbert could just stick to a character, he'd be great on a Saturday night live. He'd be a great entertainer. And, and if he just updated his act, he'd be, I, I was always frustrated with Gilbert, you know. I was always frustrated because I felt that Gilbert was the most talented human being I had ever met. I'm talking about natural gifts. He was a, a mimic. He could do Jerry Seinfeld. He could do Boris Karloff. He could do Groucho Marx. He could do, he had, you know, I'll play you some of this stuff. I pulled a couple of clips, but 
he was the most talented human being on the planet. But I also felt like he just marched to the beat of his own drum, if that's the, the right expression. He would not take my advice. He would not take anyone's advice. You know, Gilbert would get hired for gigs. Uh, in fact, I remember our general manager at the radio station, Tom Chisano, hired him to appear at his country club, his golf club. And um, Gilbert showed up. And, you know, you could read the crowd. The crowd was uh, crusty, uh, waspy, you know, uh, upper crust kind of crowd. And Gilbert, of course, takes a look at this crowd and would go in and do, you know, cunt jokes. <laughs> uh, the same thing when, you know, he, and he wouldn't, he, he, in other words, he wouldn't bend his act depending on the crowd. In fact, there was a famous story that he told that uh, he got hired by the Go-Go's to be the opening act. He was like a last minute replacement. And the Go-Go's were a big band. And the Go-Go's, uh, you know, it was mostly like little teenage girls with their moms who went to see the Go-Go's. 12 and, and 13 um, year olds. Yeah. 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 And younger. Yeah. And they tell they told him, look, you got to clean up your act for this crowd. And, you know, they lectured him like I used to lecture him about uh, <laughs> do this, Gilbert, do that. And of course, he went out. He took a look at the crowd and he started doing cunt jokes and uh, <laughs> the most vile jokes. Gary, what were some of the jokes Gilbert did? Do you remember? I, I don't remember. It was just yeah. it was like he said the word cunt like 90 times. But I will tell you that I saw Gilbert a bunch of times live. And one of the things for him was he would go out. And if within the first minute he didn't feel he had the crowd. He would turn on them. And right. before the movie, I was, we were with him once, way before the movie, the aristocrats had come out. This crowd had irritated him and he just did that joke. But you know, it, like, you know how you said he did everything way too much? Like that joke was like almost an hour of the act. It was like punishing the audience. Yeah. And that's how he, he would get. Yeah. And, and, and so when I would try to, um, you know, sort of program Gilbert. I said, Gilbert, I got a great idea for you. You're going to do this, 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 and this, because I had heard him do this stuff. But if you told him to do it, he was very resistant. He wanted his career to go a certain way. And he didn't care what anybody might uh, say to him or produce him or any of that stuff. But uh, I always loved having Gilbert on the show. And he was always funny. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple of, because he is dead, he died yesterday. At 67 years old, he had a long battle with muscular dystrophy, which, uh, Never well, who knew? knew that, yeah. And uh, everybody knows Gilbert's distinctive voice. And, uh, you know, he, geez, he, he was on the, I'm reading this, Gilbert was on the show 122 times over the oh, years. Oh, yeah, he was on a yeah. lot. I didn't know 122. I wouldn't have guessed a uh, hundred, but no, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> think crazy. we've been on the show no. <laughs> 122 times. Uh, Gilbert started doing stand up when he was just 15 years old, which always blew my mind because Gilbert was such off, you know, from what I knew, he was very timid guy, very kind of shy guy. And the idea that he would quit school and become a comedian at 15 just didn't fit with it. You're like, where did he find the strength to do that? And I remember I um, I saw a documentary on Gilbert's life, and he said his father evidently was not too pleased with him, and uh, yet he persevered. He said, "I'm leaving school, and I'm going to go be a stand-up comedian." And he did well, and, and he landed a spot uh, on Saturday Night Live. He, when he was 25 years old, he 
Wait, I'll play you this clip. This is a clip of Gilbert talking about how he didn't fit in on Saturday Night Live. I hated the writers. The writers hated me. And to show it, <laughs> Why? there was one sketch they wrote that takes place at a funeral, and I was the body in the coffin. <laughs> why? But why didn't you, like, why did you even bother auditioning for Saturday Night Live? I, God knows. And then it was it was weird because I... I read other people's interviews about uh-huh. auditioning for that, yeah. where they said they were terrified and they hated everyone else in the room, <laughs> and it was just driving them nuts. And I remember when I auditioned, I was like, I didn't even think about it. I right. was there. I wasn't even... <laughs> you didn't care. Yeah, yeah, it didn't strike me as anything. I auditioned, they brought me back, and I auditioned again. And then when they announced to me, oh, you got the part, it also wasn't like... You, you weren't moved by it. Yeah. Yeah, that was Gilbert. I mean, not, not much moved him. Like I told well, you, you, I was what? in the hospital buying him things. Yeah. Which should have moved him. You know, oh, he I didn't was, even thank you, did he? Did he ever say I don't thank think, you? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I think really that don't. was one of the things that irritated you yeah. most. He just yeah. kept calling for things and he never said thank you. But I remember even, you know, he starts, he would get traction in his career. And all of a sudden, you know, he was becoming more popular. He'd do some character or something in a movie or a TV show. And people would say, oh, my God, we got to do something with this guy. And they asked him to... To host something on national television? Yeah, they asked him to host like the Grammys or don't come out and say a few words at the Grammys yeah, and do yeah. something funny. And then he sabotaged it by saying Absolutely. dirty words. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the same thing. You know, he got that beautiful gig as the Affleck duck, which really paid a lot of money. And then he, he tweeted out tsunami jokes right after the <laughs> tsunami in Japan. And yeah. uh, they took that gig away from him. But uh, like, uh, but, but, but Gilbert, um, one of the, um, early appearances on our show i knew it was so great he'd come in and um uh we started messing with callers right away we put we put them back on hold constantly one of the callers got pissed off and gilbert just kept talking over it Yes. All I'm saying is that yes. you know, when you when you yes. Know, you know, yes. 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 Hi, we're on the air. K Rock. Hi. Hi. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk. 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 We're in our. We have other calls today. Come on. Um. Yeah, this is a great drop that Gilbert's responsible for. We had Beetlejuice on one time, and I was trying to impress Beetlejuice with who Gilbert Gottfried was. And uh, Beetlejuice was having none of it. I tried to give all of Gilbert's credentials. And Beetlejuice was just in a bad mood, and he did not like Gilbert. And uh, and <laughs> Gilbert got into it with Beetlejuice. You obviously have seen Problem Child. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, how about Problem Child Two? I've never seen that. I never will. That's three. That was on television. Aladdin. Go for you, pal. Yeah. Hey, didn't you play a parrot? Yes, I was a parrot. Did you Aladdin? Beetlejuice. Did you ever see Aladdin? Never did, I never will. <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert worked with Eddie Murphy. 
Wow, go for him. <laughs> well, go for me or go for Eddie. <laughs> yeah, go for us. Go for you. Uh, go for you, man. You make money. Go for you, buddy. Yes, it is go for me. <laughs> go for you. <laughs> Gilbert was the uh, quickest uh, human being on the planet. And you didn't fuck with him because he would just humiliate you. Um, but here, you know, when he would do Dracula Gottfried on our show, I, you know, I would say to him, Gilbert, just do Dracula Gottfried. And then, you know, you couldn't tell if he wanted to do Dracula Gottfried, he'd do Dracula Gottfried. And I even said to him, you would be a hit on, on any, um, sketch if you just did Dracula Gottfried. Yeah. But he didn't care. But it was so good. Spread your legs open. <laughs> I want you to spread your legs open now and give me your kluge. I want your kluge now. Give me your kluge now. My favorite scene is, uh, it's from that old Dracula movie. Listen to them, the children of the night. That's it. What music they make. A spider spinning his web for an unwary fly. <laughs> the blood is the life, Mr. Enfield. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> so he did know what you were talking about. See, that kind of comedy only comes from a lonely childhood where you just sat in front of the TV and studied these things. I was, he could tell, he could have probably done the whole script. You know, he knew these long monologues. And I loved his Rabbi Gottfried character. <laughs> he told me, um, this, this is the origin of it. This is him telling me how he came up with it. Then when they weren't singing, then the voice would take on this weird accent that right. wasn't Jewish. It wasn't, it's like, when we sit here today <laughs> amongst our beloved relatives. It's like Dracula. Yes. <laughs> our friends and our acquaintances through life. Do you think they spoke that way because uh, by speaking slowly, they could think of the next thing to say? Yeah, exactly. Right. And then they would break into song. Yeah. And that would make you laugh. Yes. Yes. And so everyone stand. Me, <laughs> At least let you sit down while yes. you're listening to that. Yes, then everyone be seated. And then you think, oh, good, busy. I'm sitting for the rest of it. Stand again. It's like an aerobic exercise. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so naturally funny. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Gilbert would tell me stuff like, yeah, he, I didn't graduate high school. I'd leave the house every morning. I'd go to the library instead and then ended up pursuing stand-up comedy. You're like, that's a balls move for a young kid. And, uh, oh, and the other thing that he did that I mentioned is um, Groucho Marx, you know. Yes. Most people who do an impression of Groucho Marx would do an impression of him as a young man. The brilliance of Gilbert was his impression was when Groucho was old and senile. And I could just picture a young Gilbert Gottfried tuning into the Dick Cavett show and being absolutely mesmerized by old Groucho Marx and studying him and then coming up with this routine. And it was just uh, 
It was so brilliant. It was like Groucho Marx when he used to go on Dick Cavett. I like, used to work with Chico <laughs> in the Glasgow Theatre. And we worked with Margaret Dumont, who was a beautiful actress. Right. And we worked there, W.C. Fields. Harpo was named Harpo because she played the harp. And few people knew that. They call me Groucho because they said that I had a grouchy attitude. <laughs> it was great. I remember watching those shows and old Groucho would come, because I loved Groucho Marx, but when old Groucho would come out, you go, what the fuck? Oh, God, aging is a bitch. So Gilbert picked up on that. It was great. And, um, and then he tells a great story. Gilbert did a, a great Jerry Seinfeld impression, but he told me that uh, Jerry hated it. And uh, this is him telling that story. A lot of times I'd be on stage and it would be like the waitresses and other comics and staff would run in and be laughing in the back and the audience would be scratching their heads. <laughs> and Seinfeld wasn't known at all back then. Right. He was just another comic there. And I would start, you know, going up on stage going, why do they say hello? Why isn't it hell high? <laughs> Why do people wear shoes on their feet? Why don't they wear gloves on their feet? And and Seinfeld would would stay out in the bar because he was pissed. Yeah, yeah. So he would walk. He pace. People. Would, he would pace back and forth and go. That doesn't sound anything like me. Why does he think I talk in a sing-song voice? I talk perfectly normal. Oh, my God. What a talent. And uh, also, uh, this is kind of funny. After the whole thing went down with the Affleck duck, uh, Gilbert had made all his tsunami jokes, and he lost being, you know, he lost out on being the Affleck duck. And uh, the world seemed to be coming down on him. He started telling me about how he had to apologize. And I don't think Gilbert ever wanted to apologize. He never apologized for any joke he told. And that was his attitude about comedy, that no joke was off limits. And uh, he came on the show and then immediately admitted that the whole apology was written for him. <laughs> that he really had nothing to do with it here he is uh confessing i'll be perfectly honest <laughs> that you. was like out, out of the machine you know <laughs> apology uh 176 okay here it is yeah, i yeah. sincerely apologize yes. to anyone who was offended by my attempt at humor regarding the tragedy in japan yes it was i meant no disrespect and my thoughts are with the victims and their families were your thoughts really with the victims <laughs> and their families? anything about this that is true all right don't people know your thoughts are only on you and and how oh, to save yeah. money well it's kind of like when mike tyson uh has an apology or something released to the press right and it's so eloquent <laughs> have you made yeah. a tsunami joke since now that i mean you are fired from affleck you might as well yeah i made a couple you did you're yeah, still doing a couple it. of other right so your thoughts are no longer with the family <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I I sent out uh, oh I sent out a Twitter on Hitler's birthday right yeah yep there you go yeah I was reading something where he said if he got a laugh then it was okay he yeah you know, all that mattered to him was it was funny yeah Gilbert got a lot of backlash I remember after telling a joke about nine eleven during the uh, I think it was the Hugh Hefner roast. 
Right. It was only. Yeah, it was. So it was yeah, It was only two weeks after the attack. And then uh, the joke was, I have to leave early tonight. I have a flight to California. I can't. I can't get a direct flight. They said I have to stop at the Empire State Building first. And he said that, and people were like, you know, listen, the the, the thing was too raw, but he said it. You know, he didn't uh, back down from these jokes. So he had the kind of career that was sort of unmanageable. You couldn't tell Gilbert anything. Gilbert did as Gilbert wanted. Yeah. If you told Gilbert, look, it's going to wreck your career, you'd say, okay, I'll go do it. You know? Yeah, because he would even be laughing at losing the Aflac Duck uh, franchise. You know, that was like money in the bank. And he didn't care. He really didn't care. The other thing I remember about Gilbert, too, is if uh, if he went out on a date with a girl, as the as he could, you know, listen, he had a sixth sense about when the check was coming. He would go to the bathroom and hide in the bathroom until the girl paid for the check, you know, paid for the bill. And I think, Gary, Gary, didn't you have a friend who went on a date with him, with Gilbert? It was actually one of my ex-girlfriends, and she called me, and she's like, I think I'm going to go on a date with Gilbert. I'm like, I don't think he's for you. She's like, you know, he's funny. He makes me laugh. And they went to the coffee shop, and they had coffee, and the bill came, and Gilbert went to the bathroom. And she said it got, like, super uncomfortable. Like, the waiter came back three times to, you know, do you have this yet? So finally, she paid it. She said the second she paid it, Gilbert appeared, (laughs) never said anything, not even thank you. Never said, can I reimburse you? She said, that's the last time, you know, she went out with him. And like, she was cute. Like he could have, he could have gone out with her, but he would say, like, I was with him when, you know, he we would be with women and she would be like, you know, uh, do you want to go out? And Gilbert would go, are you going to blow me? And they go, yeah. no. And he go, just, he had like no, he had no rap. Yeah. Like he was like, are we going to have sex? And then, and they would go, no. And then he'd go, oh, all right, forget it. Yeah. No date. I, there was no romance. <laughs> I saw him get, I saw him at a club one night and he, like a third grader, he was like snapping this woman's bra strap and she was like at first amused and she was telling him to stop and the bouncer came over once and he said, you know, uh, would please cut that out. And Gilbert's like, sure. Walks away. Gilbert keeps doing it, doing it again. Bouncer comes back a second time. He goes, if I have to come back another time, this is not going to be pretty. Comes back the third time. The guy was enormous. He picked Gilbert up by the waist and carried him to the front door, put him out like he put the cat out, put him out on the street. Gilbert laughed the whole way. Left the hole. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that laugh. Well, and I can tell most- you, Gilbert did research when he had one of those roasting gigs. He loved to roast people for sure. And when the Joan Rivers roast happened. Boy, did he have ammunition on me. Nobody knew more about me than Gilbert. He had read my whole autobiography. And he, if I had a thin skin, I wouldn't have made it out of that room. He was didn't, vicious. Didn't he joke about your father's uh, molesting oh, you? Oh, he said and, she uh, she wrote and complained. She should have thanked him. <laughs> you know, he was... Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, he made it like no man wanted yeah, you, and your father right. did you and, a favor. And, that's yeah, what he the, was, yeah, I was right. lucky he did anything to me. <laughs> yeah, and then your father or something went into hiding because he he was embarrassed that he had sex with you or something crazy like that. I don't remember beyond that because I must have no. tuned out at that point. Yeah. Oh my and god! He's just gonna go for it, so you, I'm just gonna let him. You are a good sport. I couldn't handle that kind of thing. <laughs>
<laughs> well, it's not even, really about me, Howard. <laughs> well, Gilbert wrote in, you know, here I thought I was the nicest human being on the planet taking care of Gilbert when he had his appendix attack and everything. Yeah. And then he put out a book and he wrote about it and he said, um, uh, Howard came to visit me in the hospital. He was in a disguise. He was wearing a baseball cap and sunglasses, which I thought was ridiculous because the guy's like seven feet tall. <laughs> and in a sense, and, and essentially he roasted me in his book. Right. I thought, in the book. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was funny. You know, I had a laugh because, right. Hey, uh, yeah, I do think I'm in disguise. Uh, my <laughs> wife laughs at me all the time, but what am I going to tell you? <laughs> yeah, no, he studied everybody and, you know, yeah. he didn't come unprepared if he was, uh, planning to roast you. He was, so, I mean, it was, he did the funniest set and yeah. I was most of it. <laughs> I said, wait a yeah. minute, we're here to roast Joan Rivers. When do you get to her? Leave me alone. Yeah, it was like Howard Stern. How could he have been in disguise visiting me in the hospital? He was eight feet tall with a great big nose. He looked like the number seven visiting me. <laughs> and I was like, hey, boy, no, no, no good, good deed, deed goes, goes unpunished. unpunished with guilt. Right. That's right. Man, unbelievable. Oh, look who it is, the mad Russian. Hey, mad Russian, what's up? Hey, now. Hey, now. Hello, You're still Howard. around? Darling Robin. Hi, my friend. Even yeah. Banshee and Gary. Do you remember me, Howard? Yes. Well, first I want to say that at 640 this morning, my dear Jewish mom died in Boston. I'm sorry to hear that. What can I do for you, mad Russian? I want to tell you a couple of things about Ukraine, Howard. Okay. Um, I hate that murderers fuck Putin. I want that fucker dead. But we got away from Ukraine in 76 because it's the most anti-Semitic place in the world. Do you know about Azov Battalion? I know all about the Ukraine. Okay. And uh, listen, they I, I'm looking at where we're at now in the world. The world situation. I agree. I agree. They don't deserve the war. Definitely not. Absolutely but, not. And and uh, it's a country that's trying to emerge, trying to have freedom, uh, trying you know, to was, have a, a, you know, a democratic. There, right? I didn't know you were born there. No, I don't know much about you. I was born in Lviv, Ukraine and raised there. OK, so I'm talking from personal experience and okay. there are a lot of Nazis in Western Ukraine. So that murderous fuck wasn't exactly lying. He was using their weakness to invade them. Listen, but okay. I hate to break the news to you. There are murderous Nazis in this country yeah, who are right ready to overthrow. Who are ready to overthrow the government with the uh, with, with that ridiculous fucking plot on January sixth. But out of battalion is it, part of Ukrainian military. They're not just some uh, loser. All right. Well, thank you, Mad Russian. It was uh, no, 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 no. Go ahead, Howard. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Well, what I'm trying to tell you is that there is no justification for some bullshit kind of a uh, 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 made-up story that Putin cares about throwing Nazis out of Ukraine. Uh, whether there are Nazis in the Ukraine, I don't is think irrelevant. Russians have been very good to Jews either. No, no, they're not. They're pogroms. both racist, racist and anti-Semitic, both of them. Of course. So uh, this idea that suddenly he's worried about Nazis, 
is absurd. No, he's not worried about him, but there are Nazis in government. What's, what's going on in, in Ukraine is a, um, a push for land, a push for resources, and, and quite frankly, a mad desire to make people miserable and be under his thumb. And Definitely. he's a scumbag. And these fucking uh, politicians in our own country, God only knows who elects them. We got we got such fucking dummies in this country. When you see a politician defending Russia and what they're doing, and they've all done it, and you know it, they we got it on tape. Now they're all backpedaling, but fucking wise up and see who's a traitor to this country. But and Putin is an animal. Good people in Ukraine, and there's some good people in Russia. It's the that's right. Putin, who is a fuck. That's right. All right. Thank you, Mad Russian. I agree. Thank you. I love you all. All right. Thank you. There he is. He was born in Ukraine, and he's an expert. Well, those good Russians are raping and pillaging. Yeah. For Thank Putin. You. Thank you. Oh. They sure are. They're going wild over there because oh. that's what they do. It's not just Putin. It's uh, his military are a bunch of fucking pricks. And I admire the people of Ukraine for pushing back. They are braver than I am. And that is a brave country, a fierce country who's willing to fight for their freedom. And uh, they're doing it. They're pulling it off. But unfortunately, they're, they're, their country is being ravaged. And it's uh, it's sad. But But these scumbags in this country, come on, man, wise up. How do you support anybody who ever says Putin's a genius? Mm. Okay, pal, you lose me on that one. What's it going to take? Putin's a genius. First of all, he's getting his own people killed. His own military is getting wiped by a, by a country that doesn't have half the resources and half the size. I mean, my God, you look ridiculous. But, uh, you know, he's a genius and praising him. Well, you want to live under, why don't they move? Why don't these guys move and, and, and live in Russia? I don't understand why they live here. There's a, there's a lot. There's a, you just buy a plane ticket and go live in Russia. See how it is. It's horrible. It's a fucking hellhole. You can't, you can't do, you want freedom. Don't, what are you, praising Putin? Jesus Christ. I really worry about the future of this country. Uh, let's go to Jim. Jim in North Carolina. What's up? Hey, Howard, man. Uh, you know, Gilbert was the best guest in the history of the show, without a doubt. He's right up there. If uh, I mean, my goodness, there's a reason I had him on 143 times. He was always funny. Uh, like I said, I, I had not spoken with Gilbert. haven't had him on the show in years. Um... Yeah, that sucks, you know, man, by the way, you know? Yeah, well, I but I have a really fond place in my heart for Gilbert. I thought uh, he was great. And like I said, I tried so many times to put him in different things because I was convinced Gilbert could be the greatest superstar on the planet because if he would just take a little direction. But Gilbert <laughs> was not up for it. Remember, I think Robin, of all I, the people you tried to put into show business proper, yeah. they were the most out of control people. 
Yeah, I mean, Gilbert was the great. Here, John Stewart tweeted, rest in peace, Gilbert. Opening for Gilbert Gottfried at Caroline's and Princeton Catch was one of the great thrills of my early stand-up life. He could leave you gasping for breath. Just indescribably, unusually hilarious, damn. And that is yeah, absolutely I, true. Yeah, before Gilbert started doing his dirty joke routine, he had an act that was so funny. A lot of it was about Hitler and a whole bunch of stuff. And I went to see him at Caroline's one night. And I tell you, he slayed. He was on fire. It was funny as fuck. And you got to admire. Everything was funny. Yeah. The whole. Were you there set. that night? Yeah. I saw him there too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, I was like, wow, boy, Gilbert, there's Gilbert's superpower. That son of a bitch can get up on a stage and make people laugh like that. And, um, yeah, he, he was terrific. Really terrific. And he was a master of his craft. And I admire anyone who can do that. That is the hardest job in the world, getting up in a room full of strangers and making them laugh. If you think you can do it, go try it. It's hard. But Gilbert also had that thing, like Gary said. I mean, it was like that. It was Andy Kaufman-esque, where he didn't care if you didn't like what he was doing. Then he would do something really horrible. <laughs> he would just turn on the audience. And that was the end. It never ended. He was unrelenting until people walked out. Ben Stiller tweeted, I don't think I ever laughed as hard as I did. Sitting on a flight to L.A. across from Gilbert in the early 90s, he would do something funny and not stop till you stopped laughing. God, he was funny. So funny. Sending love to his family. Yeah, I saw a picture of uh, Gilbert and his wife and kids on online. I was like, wow. Kids yeah, so I think uh, the kids are teenagers now. Yeah, which is really amazing that he, you know, had a family. It was that was one I, of my favorite things about the documentary, seeing Gilbert as a father and a husband. I want to say the kids are um, his son and daughter. I think the daughter was older. I think I think fourteen and twelve. I want to say something like that. I think it was yes, yeah, either fifteen and thirteen or fourteen and twelve, somewhere around there. Yeah, he was a guy that always went for the funny no matter what. You know, I mean, he didn't even care about his own career. It was always about the funny. That's right. That's right. That's a good way to put it. All right, uh, Balls, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, uh, how you doing, Howard? All right. Hey, I just wanted to pay my respect to Gilbert and rest in peace. And I had to tell you a quick story. He was the best. Man. We've seen him at a wine festival once. And it was all uppity rich people. And he loved, he loved it. He was telling a joke about Michael Douglas getting throat cancer from eating Catherine Zeta-Jones' pussy. <laughs> Half the place got up and fucking left. And he laughed so hard, he just turned around. I thought he was going to pass out, dude. It was so fucking funny. I love you, Gilbert. Rest in peace. Thanks for a great tribute, Howard. I love you, man. Peace and love. That's a good story, Balls, because uh, that's true. I mean, yeah. who gets up at a country club and tells a story about uh, <laughs> Michael Douglas getting throat cancer from Catherine Zeta-Jones' pussy? I mean, you just don't. And he did it. That was it. And if you walked out, it was like he, he thought it was funny. He did. That he, was he music. Thought it was, yeah. 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 Well, anyway, we could tell stories all day about Gilbert. We got enough of them. Well, I think we're planning a tribute to Gilbert because of all the endless hours of tape. Um, yes, this weekend we're dedicating Howard 101 to Gilbert Gottfried, showcasing some of the favorite moments from the show. And I'm sure there'll be a bunch of stories from people, and uh, we're putting that together as we speak. 
Conan O'Brien tweeted, I saw Gilbert perform in 1985, and when he entered to applause, he said, thank you. Thank you very much. He then continued to say thank you repeatedly for a full 10 minutes. It was the nerviest, <laughs> it was the nerviest, funniest thing I had ever seen. So sorry to lose this sweet and delightfully funny man, Gilbert Gottfried. Well, that's a nice tweet. Did you see the picture of uh, Gilbert, Bob Saget, and... Um, yeah, who is the third? I did see that. Louis. Uh, Louis Anderson, yeah. Right, yeah, that was sad. And that wasn't taken too long ago, from what I understand. No. All those guys are gone. Oh, anyway. That's that. Yeah, I was thinking about that a lot. It's really weird when you get to this age, like you start seeing people dropping off that you've known your whole life. Yeah. You know? I wouldn't have thought my parents would outlive Gilbert Gottfried, but they have. They've managed to Well, look to at do them. It. They are outliving... All of these people. Robin, you, you took money that my parents would die before um, Bob Saget, and you lost a, a tremendous amount I lost of money. The fact, ton, Robin, yeah. Robin took another job. <laughs> she works at Chipotle. I have to pay now. off that debt. Yeah. <laughs> she was convinced. My leg's broken. Right. Who would. I could never have lost that bet. Come on. Yeah, I mean, it was a sure thing. I thought you were <laughs> going to double your money. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, Amy Schumer will be here later. She got a brand new TV show that I'm enjoying. She also, uh, of course, was the host of the Oscars, the infamous Oscars with the big slap heard around the world. And uh, there's so much to talk about with Amy Schumer. I'm glad she uh, rescheduled. She was supposed to be on last week. She wasn't feeling well. And so she'll be on today. Uh, a whole bunch of fans wrote us, Robin. Um, I should read you some of this fan mail that people are writing in. Uh, this is What's My Sexy Secret. We played that with Ronnie on Monday's show. It was evidently a big hit. People like What's My Sexy Secret. Yeah. We We've got to great... find more sexy secrets now so we can bring it back. Now it becomes a job. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, we had on Evelyn, if you remember, Rob. And Evelyn. Yes. This is a spoiler alert in case you haven't heard the show yet. Evelyn was born with two vaginas. Ronnie Cunt. couldn't wrap his head Cunt. around it. <laughs> the listeners loved hearing Ronnie's reaction. When you guessed, Robin, that she had two vaginas, he was like, what? This is unbelievable. It was like his head blew off. It was very interesting. <laughs> he was like, what? <laughs> oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah! Oh, who would ever guess? Oh! Yeah! <laughs> Ronnie's response to the woman with two vaginas had me cracking up today. <laughs> I kept rewinding to listen back over and over. Was this the greatest day of Ronnie's life? He seemed legitimately blown away by Evelyn Seacrest. Yeah! You know, Ron, I was going to tell you. And by the way, go easy on Ronnie today. The, uh, the death of Gilbert has hit him hard. Really? I know he, it's you're freaking out, right? Mortality again. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, What's going on? Talk yeah! to me. No, no, it's just, you know, I would see every time Gilbert would come on the show, I would be the guy who'd go downstairs and bring him upstairs and, you know, talk to him a little bit. He, you know, he never really had much to say. But yeah, uh, tell me about it. Right. <laughs> Not outside always, those always, doors, yeah. He always made sure when he left, he would pack up a, a bag of uh, either if we had cupcakes or bagels out or whatever, and he'd pack up a whole thing. He'd wrap them in, in uh, 
paper towels, just like I wrapped mine that day <laughs> when it disappeared or got unwrapped, whatever. Uh, and he would pack up all the water in the green room and, and walk <laughs> out with it. <laughs> when you say all the water, was it like, how many bottles would you say? I, I would say at least, well, it wasn't like 20 bottles. I would say it was like five bottles he would take. What a eulogy you just gave, Ronnie. I think it was the most moving <laughs> thing I've ever heard. I, I was can see why you're so I, broken I, I up. Was, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just... The little you know, things you remember. <laughs> no, but it's it's just, a, you know, here, it's hard to hear that kind of shit that people you know, you know, for all these years, even though, you know, was I wasn't friends with him or anything, but still, you know, you would right. have contact with the guy and the guy would be on the show and, you know, you hear about him uh, dying. It's... it's, it's it's rough. It's tough. Are you th are you thinking about your own demise now more? Oh, all the time. Yeah, yeah. I discuss that with my shrink all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. But what does he say about or she? I don't know. What What do they say about the uh, uh, this obsession with? Oh my God, I'm running out of time. I'm dying. Um, you know, I'm in my seventies. I'm on the back nine. However you want to put it. What do they say yeah, well, to do? You know what? It, it's rough because like. A lot of my friends, are, you know, my friends are younger than me. Um, and, and you think in your mind, like, like they'll say, hey, in like five years, we're going to go do this. Or in a couple of years, we're going to go do that. But, you know, you know, it's kind of like, am I going to be around for that? You know, and right. it's like you, you sit there and you think about it. It's kind of like it's kind of fucked up. And I, when I it talk is. to my shrink about it, um, he basically, you know, says to me that, uh, you know, you got to live for every day and, uh, you know, you got to try not to think about it, but it's, it's a hard thing to do. Like when you hear shit like this, you know, like a guy 67 years old dropping dead, you know, you can't win no matter what group you hang out with. If you're hanging out with old people, they then die on you and if you right. hang out with young people. They're talking about things you might never experience. Exactly. Exactly right. There's so no Robin, group to who, hang out with. Robin, is you saying uh, Ronnie's a man with with no island? I mean, he has That's nowhere right. to turn. He's, gonna, uh, he's got nowhere to turn. Right. Maybe you should just sit in your house and not move <laughs> like my <laughs> no, parents. My, that's that. what my parents are doing. They're not going no. anywhere. No, I'm not man. doing that. Well, how are you going to enjoy the time you have left if you're obsessed with this? I still do. You I mean, don't. I try to I try to forget about it, like he says. Well, you know, my shrink. And... uh I try to, and I go out, and I have a good time, you know? Right. All right. Well, that's good. But anyway, uh, you know, I think one of the reasons Ronnie loved Gilbert so much, Ronnie Gilbert was one of the few guests that was actually shorter than Ronnie. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie was never a tall guy, but uh, I know you like that. But, uh, hey, Ron, what I, why, why I didn't mean to uh, talk about Gilbert with you. I wanted to talk about what's my sexy secret. Your love of this woman. I mean, you love the whole thing. <laughs> oh, it dude. really, it, it blew your mind, right? It blew my, it blew my mind. And I was talking to Stephanie about it. She, she had never heard about it either, really. Right. Um, and, uh, she, she was kind of like intrigued and went back and listened to the show about it. <laughs> it was kind of, it was kind of cool. <laughs> And people wrote in, they go, Ronnie's response to the woman with two vaginas had me cracking up today. I kept rewinding to listen back over and over. This was the greatest day of Ronnie's life, I think. He seemed legitimately blown away by Evelyn's secret. Um, here, this person wrote, the moment I dropped my kids off at school, I screamed, she has two vaginas at the top of my lungs. What an insane segment. 
And finally, <laughs> I was. love that I love that Ronnie's the sex expert, but Robin knew the secret almost immediately. What an entertaining segment. I was utterly shocked to hear that she had two uh, vaginas. Uh, one person is accusing Ronnie. You'll be interested in this. One person is accusing uh, Robin of cheating. Ah, how did I cheat? You know Come nobody on. told me what her secret was. I happen to know that for a fact, but this person figured out your uh, your whole scene. He, he wrote, "Come what on, Howard." Robin cheated. Just Google Evelyn and vaginas, and two vaginas come right up. Robin How did is smart. Google her. <laughs> Robin is smarter than Ronnie at using Google. <laughs> so you are now being accused of cheating. That is not how I guessed. Ronnie actually asked a very pertinent question. And as soon as he asked that question, I knew. I can't yeah, remember now what the pertinent question was. Well, but... you're a woman, so it's easier. You you kind of figured it out, I you guess. You knew. <laughs> you uh, think that's the uh, answer? What? <laughs> You're a woman. You kind of figured it out. I, I I got to the area and I got is and I even asked her, is there something different inside? And I, I right. just couldn't I couldn't wrap my hand or you know, wrap my brain around it. Well, yeah, I well, give you credit for leading me right to the answer. Now you gotta attack me and say it's because I'm a woman? How dare no, you? No, I'm not attacking <laughs> you. I'm just saying you have more I guess more of imagination about this shit because you're a woman because I didn't even think about having two vaginas. <laughs> I don't think most women think about having two vaginas either, but, yeah, but I think Robin a lot a, about I think a lot about a nurse, two assholes, you know? never two vaginas. Yeah, All right, she was listen. a nurse, you know, and she kind of maybe heard about shit like that when, you know, when she was in nursing school or whatever. I, I don't know. Two well, vaginas, is that yeah. cheating because I have a history? No, did I say you cheated? When did the fuck <laughs> well, did I'm I say you were cheating? Was the, the, Robin, the person who wrote the email geez. says I was cheating. Well, you had an education. You're cheating. <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> also on Monday, Ronnie mentioned the new sex toy he was using with Stephanie and how much she loves it. I, I, I love this. I, I didn't know we had this. We have exclusive audio. <laughs> What is the name of that sex toy again? The one that is shaped like an egg and you say a little tongue comes out and licks Stephanie's pussy and I, I licks forgot, your tank. I forgot, I forgot the name of it. Um, and I, I, I don't want to go in there now because she's just fast asleep, but uh, that's okay. I'll get the name of it, but yeah, but, uh, but we have audio. I didn't know it made noise like this. What I mean, what a racket this thing makes. Oh, yeah. This is. Yeah, this is unbelievable. This is a uh, Ronnie sex toy. This is not a joke. This is what the thing sounds like. Here we go. Good lord! <laughs> Can you imagine? It sounds like you're on a construction site. Oh my goodness! I mean that is the greatest thing ever. It's like a it's like a Star Trek teleporter. I mean, oh, what the fuck awesome, is going? Dude. Describe again what goes on. You put it on your taint, and she puts it on her clitoris, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's a tongue. Yeah, it's and like the, this little little, little tiny tongue. It's right. not even big. It's a little little thing, and it flaps like this, really right. fast, real fast, and it vibrates. Crazy. Wow. <laughs> when you turned it on for the first time and you heard this. 
Were you like, what the fuck? I'm not putting this near her. I mean, she could die. I mean, that sounds no, crazy. No, so I was the one. I was the one who uh, I plugged it in and charged it up. Yeah, uh-huh. I took it out. I was the one. She was at work, and I had taken it out of the box and I plugged it in, got it all charged up, and she came home and it was late. It was on the um, on the counter in the bathroom, and she goes, "Oh, you charged it up." I said, "Yeah, we're going to try it out tonight," and then. That was that. <laughs> so you well, turned happened? it on for the first time when? Uh, after I charged it up, she wasn't home yet, and I just turned. I kept playing with. Just, you just keep pressing the button, and it keeps changing speeds and, vi- and the vibration. And when you heard that noise, were you not concerned that maybe something was wrong? I mean, it's a crazy sound. It's like it's fucking cool, dude. <laughs> You know that Ronnie's neighbor called in a bomb scare. They didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Sounds like aliens landing. Something crazy is going on. Yeah, I mean, uh, this sex toy is made by a company called Cal Exotic. So there yep, you go, that's Ronnie. It. That's it. There that's it is. Yep. Uh, a lot of people identified with Robin's snooze buttons. They wrote in about it on Monday. We all learned that Robin hits the snooze button several times in the morning. She is... Uh, also uh, equipped with three or four phones that uh, all have alarms and things. I mean, don't ask what's going on in that place. Uh, but you're not the only one. Many people agree with Robin's snooze technique. I have three different alarm clocks on my iPhone. The later each one is, the more crucial it is that I get the fuck up. Like Robin, I have several alarm clocks uh, going each morning. My early alarm is aspirational. My second and third ones are usually what I wake up to. And the fourth one is for emergencies. You can never be too prepared. I say it's all a game. I, you must do what I do. When the alarm goes off, I get up, I get out of bed, I jump out of bed, and that's it. There's no nonsense yes, with you snooze. you are jarred. I am never jarred when I'm, I get out of bed. I'm prepared. I'm, I've told you a million times. I am not a jar. I'm a human being. <laughs> Keep calling me a jar. But I'll tell you this, and I mean it. The way to live your life, you cannot have all these phones. Why not have a have... game? No. Because what? life's not a game. <laughs> the alarm goes off. I know what that means. It's time to, I don't set it 15 minutes early. I don't, yeah, I it's know the what time mine for me to get up. means too. Mine means I have an hour more to sleep. Ooh. That is insane. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be woken up only to, to go back asleep again. <laughs> I want to be woken up at the proper time, and then I want to get up out of bed when the alarm goes off. And that's that it. That is so jarring. It's so And that's hard. what you do. And I don't like... So I always just easily get out of bed in the morning because I'm uh, prepared. Well, she's doing it wrong, and I'll be the first to say it. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't say it lightly. When I like a product, it's never available. I tell you, I'm cursed with this. I found... <laughs> I've been experimenting with hair gel my entire adult life. Yes. You know, I when I made the move to let my hair go curly, I always had curly hair. Uh, but I used to, you wear it in a ponytail, I, I wanted it to be straight. You know, people want what they don't have. I wanted straight hair. Well, I finally said, you stupid, ugly fuck. Why are you busy? Why did you have about- to say that first, stupid, ugly oh. fuck? I always say that before I begin oh. any thought process. <laughs> That's my internal mechanism. That's how my thinking gets started. But I go, you stupid, ugly fuck. Oh. Why would you want your hair to be straight? In fact, curly hair actually fills out your face a little more. 
you actually look better because I have a long, thin face. People used to walk up to me, why the long face? And I'd say, <laughs> well, look at my parents and you'll figure it out. But, uh, you know, I, and I have a long, thin face. And, and the, the Afro-style hair that I was born with actually compliments me. And I once read an article, you know, a lot of women especially who have curly hair, they want straight hair. They want it, they want it, they want it. And they um, and they don't let their hair go, you know, curly. And you're really making a mistake because your natural look, actually, when when you are created, your hair really does complement the type of face you have. They found this. Experts have found this. But people fight it. And I was fighting it. Well, I embraced my curly hair at some point. It's been and, a while now. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I only wish in high school. I had embraced my curly hair. I have a cute look with the curly hair. Now, when I say cute, I mean for me. Okay, <laughs> let's let's put let's put an asterisk next to that thing. And I and I know that this curly hair look is a good look for me. And so, you know, for years I experimented with product, and a lot of the product would leave my hair frizzy, or let's say looking very greasy. And, um, you know, I've tried every product. I've tried white people products. I've tried black people products. You know, there is specific products for black uh, hair. And I feel I have hair very similar to black people. And I tried that and it was good. And I tried the white people uh, stuff. Good, but not great. <laughs> well, well what people's mine, uh, products actually worked? Well, this is a good question. A friend of mine said, your problem is you use alcohol-based hair products, and that leaves frizz in your hair. Ah. I want you to get this product. And he tells me the product. It's called M-I-L-B-O-N, Milbon Repair. Restorative hey. blowout primer for coarse hair. Leave-in treatment. You take a shower, you put this stuff in. Well, it was a game changer. I tried it. My hair is soft. I don't know if you're attracted to me right now, Robin, but you sure look like you are. <laughs> and I think it's because of my hair. Well, your hair is your crowning glory. Yeah. I see how you're licking your chops. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's a subtle thing, but this is just my, I take seven dollops of it. It's a little uh, uh, thing. It's and a I squirt bottle, huh? Squirt bottle, not even bad for the environment. No aerosol. No aerosol. Okay, right? Good and for I, you. I put, and I count out seven. I started <laughs> with 11 and I got it down to seven. And I said, man, this could be a game changer. Well, I tried. I, I was in shock. My hair felt good. Yes. Felt good. And what? <laughs> Looked good. Right. Ah. Yeah. Now, lest you forget, Robin, I won Best Hair in America, the title for multiple years. Uh, defeating the world's most famous celebrities. So I know something about hair. And I kind now, of did you find this product when you started winning? Was that what started no, you winning? No, these I awards? found this. Here's what happened to me. I found this product about a month ago. Oh, only. And I month. tried. Yeah. That's you, about a month ago is when you started being attracted to me. So I'm <laughs> telling you, it works. So, uh, anyway, long story short, I said to my wife, can you order? Because I can't do anything for myself. I have um, mental problems. I said, honey, would you order me some more of this? Well, she ordered me like a month ago, you know, when I first got it. 
like eight bottles. I said, give me eight uh-huh. bottles because it goes so fast and it ain't cheap, this stuff. It's like mm. 40 bucks for a bottle and it, it didn't last that long, mm. but it's, I've become dependent on it. It really makes, it's a game changer for me. Well, I noticed, you know, like you have not been complaining. That's right. About your hair. Uh huh. So you see what's happening. With yes. The new, uh, Milbon. So anyway, like a month and I, and now I'm out of Milbon and I go, here we go. Uh, even I after the mom, eight bottles? No, I didn't get the eight bottles yet. It hasn't oh. come. This is what I'm trying okay. to tell you. I see. What the fuck is happening with me? Every time I like something. So I have them on order. I haven't gotten them. I ordered them. And I don't, I can't get this product and I want it. I'm like a junkie. I need my Melbon. Are you completely out? Out. Oh. Last night, I, I, and last night, like, it was like the miracle of Hanukkah. I was, I, got, I managed <laughs> to get seven drops out of an empty bottle. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Remember when the Jews were in the desert and they needed oil for eight days, yes. but they only had yes. enough for one day and miraculously they had a, this was me. <laughs> I go, I just got seven drops out of an empty bottle. It's a miracle. God is with me. And I thought, well, well, I don't know what's going on in America. I know there's supply chain issues and all kinds of stuff, but I can't get this shit. And I'm desperate for it. And where does and it I'm, come from? It is When I see Milbon, it sounds like a foreign country makes this. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. Let me see. I got a picture of the bottle repairs, easy styling, and it's there's also like some sort of weird foreign language too here. Ah, oh. it looks like maybe French or some shit. Repare pour un couflage vacille. And that's yeah, that's French. French. <laughs> but then I see augmente la maniabilité et ren plus lease. Oh, I don't know what that is. What is that? Italian yeah, I don't or, know. or Spanish? I, this must be an international product. Yeah, it sounds like they got all these instructions in different languages. They expect yeah. it to be all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what it is? They're in too many places because I can't get it. <laughs> well, anyway, if anybody knows how to get a hold of this shit. Well, uh, your order is up. still coming, isn't it? It hadn't been According canceled. To my wife. They, didn't, they didn't tell you it's not going to come. It was terrible. I accused my wife of forgetting to order it. She goes, oh. I swear I ordered it. I can show you. I should, I, you know, if I could do things for myself, then I wouldn't have to accuse people, but I That's can't. That's right. But you yeah, have to I'm, hold I'm them busy, accountable. I'm a busy executive. I can't learn how to work Amazon. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. What do you want to say, Ralph? How dare you interrupt my monologue? Is it the Milbon Smooth Luminous Softening Oil for Coarse Hair? No, it's called, it's a, it's a bottle. It's called Milbon Repair. That's it. For okay. Coarse hair. It says coarse Repair. hair. Restorative yeah, they, blow, coarse hair. They have another which, one here that you might want to try too. No, I don't want to try that. Uh, I want what I want. Uh, Listen to this guy. I found something I like. He's going to find something he's else. Gonna What's wrong with it him? for you. This guy's got a mental disorder. I swear to God. <laughs> try to help. Trying to help. I already got help. I don't need your help. I just want the product. Go get it for me. You know what? There's a job for you. Get me my hair care. Send me a picture of the bottle. I'll get it. All right. I'll send it to you right now. I want to see you get it. Yeah. Let's see how long it takes Ralph. Yeah. Be a hero for once in my life. This fucking guy. (laughs) Be a hero. I'm I'm going to text it to you right now. 
What's your name again? Ralph. What a name. His mother named him Ralph. She looked at him and said, you know what? That's He's a, a Ralph. Ralph. It's a Ralph. <laughs> Same thing when people throw up. They go, they Ralph. Hey, why are you attacking me? Because you get me my mail bond. <laughs> Douchebag. <laughs> Yes, this is it. This is what I'm looking at on Amazon. Let me see. Well, look at this. There's a bottle being sold on eBay for $85. I'm not paying $85. No. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. Forget it. You have to pound up four ounces of hair oil. That's like gold. Yeah, can you imagine? (laughs) I find a product I like. Now I'm paying uh, black market prices. Yeah, you're going to a Uh, a parking lot behind a McDonald's to go pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll go wherever I have to go. I mean, for fucking hair stuff. I mean, it's unbelievable. You gotta sell your blood. Uh, It's unbelievable. Hold on a second, Ralph. Let me get you on hold for you. Oh, hey, everybody. It's Gene Simmons from KISS. Hey, Gene. Hi, Howard. It's Gene Simmons from KISS. I'm broadcasting from the KISS headquarters right now, and I want you to know about an amazing program going on at KISSonline.com. You can get the Gene Simmons Brillo Pad haircut right now (laughs) at KISSonline.com. Do you have KISS hair care products, uh, Gene? We have everything you need for your hair care needs right now. Yes, good, because I'm looking for a product I can easily get my hands on. What would you recommend? Starting with the Vinnie Vincent hairbrush. Do you want to look like <laughs> Vinnie Vincent? You Vinnie bet his Vincent. sweet tits you do. No. Of course. <laughs> you, Vinnie Vincent. you bet his sweet tits you do. You want to <laughs> look just like Vinnie Vincent. All right, you if you say so, you seem to know, Gene. Um, Gene, you don't have great hair, honestly. I, yeah, no his offense. hair is coarse, isn't it? He must have good products for that. Coarse, and the color Robin, is not you, even human. Robin, you're looking very sexy right now. Well, thank. All right, you thank like, you, Gene. How'd you like to try the new God of Thunder hairnet right now for two ninety nine? All right, what do you want, Ralph? I got to tell you, Molly Shannon, I love when you have somebody like Molly Shannon on, somebody I know, but I had no idea how interesting she was and how great. I mean, those stories she told were just from her developing that character and the agent story and her mom. But but, but my favorite was her dad when she when she catches him in her apartment with a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. I mean, Molly Shannon was a hit. Uh, a lot of fans wrote in. I'm dying over these stories. I've been a fan of Molly since I was in high school, and Tuesday was proof of what I've known the whole time. She's a true superstar. I can't wait to read the book. Uh, Howard, that Gary Coleman story was too funny. Disturbing, but funny. Molly should go down as one of the best interviews ever. What an amazing guest. Uh, many listeners found her inspiring. I'm crying at my desk listening to Howard and Molly Shannon talk about her car accident and her parents. No wonder Molly became a comedian. Her outlook on life. Despite all she went through, is an inspiration, and uh, many people wrote in also about her uh, famous character, Mary Catherine Gallagher. Um, yeah, I, I this person writes. I always loved that sketch. Yes, I thought that was a fantastic uh, time on uh, Saturday Night Live when she would do that sketch. It was it was really great. Our next great. auditioner for Saint Monica's talent show is Mary Catherine. Mary Catherine! Mary Catherine Gallagher. Mary Catherine Gallagher. Mary Catherine. Mary Catherine. Yes, right. I think I have it now. Uh, attention. Mary Catherine Gallagher. Do you want to audition or, or, or what? Yeah. You do. Some, sometimes when I get nervous, yes. I stick my hands under my arms and then I smell my fingers like that. But that's gross. Fabulous. Fabulous observation. 
that was great the way she went from, you know, like how she went from the bottom of the list to the top of the list. And she just stuck to it. Like she knew that was yeah. great. Committed, committed. And, uh, but, but to, get yes. back to, her fa- to get back to her father, can you imagine? I mean, she, she catches him with a guy in her apartment when she's at work at Saturday Night Live. She comes home to this. And then they went to dinner, I think she said. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right. There you go. All right, Ralphie. Ralph likes that. And don't forget Molly Shannon was also... I. One of the things I didn't bring up, because, you know, how long can I keep people here? But she was part of that sweaty balls with Alec Baldwin and uh, Anna... What the hell was the other woman's name? Um, Anna Geister. Yeah, Gasteyer. Sweaty balls. That was one of my favorite sketches on that show. Yeah, Alec Baldwin was great on the show. Yeah. The thing that I most like to bring out at this time of the year are my balls. <laughs> about your balls, Pete. Well, over at Seasons Eatings, we have balls for every taste. Popcorn balls, mm. cheese balls, rum balls, you name mm. it. It's been years since I've seen any balls. Would you like to see my balls now? Yeah. yeah. Whip them out. Whip them, baby. There you go. Sweaty balls. <laughs> so there you go. Congratulations and, uh... to Alec Baldwin. He's having another child. There you go. He's another go. one. <laughs> <laughs> He's nonstop. <laughs> there you go. All right, Ralphie boy. Ralph likes uh, Molly Shannon. And Ralph, get on my, uh, see if you can find my hair care product. Yeah. I'm putting you in charge. I'm, I'm making look- sure that you are in charge. How's that? Mm. <laughs> he'll, he'll give up in about 10 minutes. He'll yeah, Thank he'll you, he'll get tired no, and go back to sleep. Yeah. There's a short window <laughs> when I'm, while I'm motivated, so I'll go do it. Bye. Good. You know why I'm never disappointed in Ralph? Because I have low expectations when it comes to that boy. <laughs> oh, a lot of people also wrote in about Bigfoot negotiating with uh, Putin yesterday. They uh. enjoyed that. Uh, Bigfoot asked Wolfie to set up a meeting with Vladimir Putin to broker a peace agreement between Russia, Ukraine, and the United States. And the fans, the fans loved it. They thought it was a riot, Robin. I um, imagine. They loved it. That Bigfoot call on Tuesday was really funny. Thanks to him, the world is a safer place. Well, except for Alaska and Canada. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting to me was the story about his family calling, all of his siblings calling to to find out if Wolfie really had ended the war in Ukraine. Yeah, (laughs) they weren't clear if it was true or a made-up story. Uh, By the way, uh, I told you the actual call was about an hour and a half. Between Vladimir Amazing. Putin, yes. Uh, so I pulled some more bonus uh, footage so you could enjoy, Robin. This is a bonus clip from the call. At one point, Bigfoot told Vladimir Putin he would drive from Vermont to Russia. Here is that exclusive yeah. clip. I don't like flying. I can figure a way out to get to Russia. I can if I pry hard enough. I have a private briber that'll bribe me anywhere I want to go. That would be good. You would be willing to drive to Russia. Yes, I would be willing to drive to Russia, and I would have a transported guy that would bribe me right there in this. You would drive from Vermont to Russia? Yeah, maybe. That would be possible, yeah. Very possible, yes. (laughs) Very possible. He's got a Uh, private driver. (laughs) Yes, that... What are you doing wrong? (laughs) I saw you driving yourself the other day. I know. Yeah. 
Uh, Bigfoot, in this exclusive new clip, even agreed to expose his penis to the people of Russia in order to bring peace. And <laughs> I can bring that to you now. Would you be willing to show me your, as they say, big, smelly monster cock? Yeah. Wow. Could we take you to the town square, Red Square? Yes, we and could. Yes, and we show could. the people, the Russian people, look at this big American man. Yes, you could. Yes. You would let the people of Russia line up to touch your giant... Uh, uh, yes, uh, I would. Yes, I would. Really? Really. <laughs> I bet you have big balls like potatoes. Uh, I do. I don't know. I think I'm getting turned on by this. I hope so. I want you to crave it. Could you say something to the effect of, I want you to smell my big monster cock? Yes, I do. I would like you to smell my monster cock. Would you destroy my ass like the city of Kiev? Yeah, I probably would. Yeah, I've been known to do that. Mm -hmm. Bigfoot doesn't say no to much, I'll tell you that. And Yeah. No. We, we originally left out those controversial clips. But I can't believe that Bigfoot's family checked to see if it was real, the real Vladimir Putin. I mean, what, well, what about this, this kind of conversation? I can't believe that Bigfoot really thinks he was talking to Putin. And he does. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Two new exclusive clips from that very, very uh, interesting conversation, negotiation between Putin, Biden and Bigfoot. Bigfoot's some customer. He's a great, uh, great whack packer. He's really proven himself over the years. In fact, uh, isn't it amazing that, you know, he thinks because he stopped a prison riot or something that he's a good negotiator and he can well, get on the world stage now and take care of problems. Well, listen, he's got some sort of expertise. <laughs> I love Bigfoot, but man, is he tough to produce? Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll play another clip of Bigfoot if you're in the mood here. Here's an outtake. We were trying to get Bigfoot to record a song, as we often do around here. We get whack packers to sing. Yeah. He's not good in the singing category? Well, he, you know, like most whack packers, their memory is kind of shot. And uh, <laughs> we were trying to get him to record an anti-Putin song and forget about it. It was crazy. Here, here is a, uh, I just want to bring you behind the scenes how difficult it is to put things together. We uh, hate you, Putin. Hate you. I can't even say that. No, just, Say just, what? Just say, sing after me. Say, we hate you, Putin. Hate them, Pete them. No, no. Okay. Oh. The first two words are we hate. Let's just say we, we hate. hate. I okay, got so, that part. All right. So say, we hate you, Putin. We hate Pete Putin. Now say, you, Putin. You, Putin. You, Putin. You, Putin. No, the guy's name is Putin. 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 We hate you, Putin. We hate you, Putin. You're a bad guy. You're a bad guy. You're a bad guy. You're a bad guy. I'm not a bad guy. No, no. I'm not. No, you're. No, Mark, you're not a bad guy. This is just a song that I need you to sing. <laughs> you're a. You're a bad guy. You are a bad guy. We hate you, Putin. We hate you, Putin. Okay, that that was that was perfect. <laughs> now this bit took seven years to produce. Believe it or not, seven years. That's right. Amazing. First of all, who's going to teach um, Wolfie to say Putin? We hate you, Putin. 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 
poo, like dog poo. Fucking Wolfie. Where did he come from that he doesn't know it's Putin? Wolfie, try to say, we hate you, Putin. We hate you, Putin. There you go. What's this Putin? You got confused? No, I I was actually, I was listening to an audio book about uh, Putin lately, and they say it differently throughout this book. Mm, So I think maybe maybe that threw me off. Between you and Bigfoot, I was ready to bang my head into a wall. But good job on that. Thank you very much. Thank you. You have a tough job, Wolfie. I mean, my goodness. I mean, (laughs) anyone says you don't earn your money, you you, you send them to me. All right, let's go to Phil in New York. Phil, uh, you're on the air. What's up? Good morning. Um, Right before COVID, I attended a um, a big party in Brooklyn, and it was a party catered to gay guys, and it was basically a um, a sex party. About seventy seventy five guys participating. Thought you'd like to know a little bit about it. Are you gay? Yes, yes. And you oh, you shit. say before COVID you went to a gay sex party with 75 guys. Well, sure, I'd be interested. What the hell happened? Uh, well, I was, I had been getting these invites for a while. Somebody put me on a list and it, it was just a little bit too much. It was outside my comfort zone and it scared me a little bit. But then, Juan, what scared you about 75 guys piled up in a room? Uh, having yeah. sex. Why Looking would that be scary? Yeah, you, why would that scare I, you? <laughs> I hear what you're saying, and you you know you yeah. might find that completely comfortable, and that you know. But for me, that was a little bit intimidating. Are um, you a brave but, man or are you a cowardly man? I mean, what's the problem? <laughs> well, I happen to be a firefighter, so I, I'm able to oh. run into burning buildings. Oh. So well, then, that, then you are zone. a brave man. You're a brave man, and uh, I, a lot of you firefighters are very handsome men. I, I see calendars all the time, right. so you must be a. <laughs> A good-looking, uh, muscular uh, firefighter. Is that correct? I'm in pretty good shape, yes. And you've well, no always wonder really... all the gay men want you at the party. You're a <laughs> muscular firefighter, of course. Well, uh, how, how did they get you there? You were afraid to go. You'd run into a burning building, but the gay sex party, you were afraid. How did they <laughs> yeah, get you well, there? Burning buildings, you know, once you do so much training, and you're always at the academy, and you're always training... And you're always showing up, and it's an automatic alarm, or it's your food on the stove. So to, there's a real rush when I finally show up at a call, and, and I smell the, the smoke when we arrive, and I'm putting on the equipment, and I'm like, right on. And I'm so excited to, to run in and go to work. And, and that's like a big thrill, and it stays with me all day long. And, and, and don't you love, as a gay man, breaking the stereotype? You know... For so many years, the gay man has been painted as a uh, sissy, uh, cowardly. Here you are, brave firefighter, and you laugh in the face of danger. And it, bre- <laughs> and it breaks all the stereotypes, which I like. I like that. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I really you, do. You've always been supportive of both gay guys and f- cops and firefighters and the people in the military, and I appreciate that. And I'll be completely Absolutely. candid. I. I really struggled with being gay for a long time, and with the exception maybe of the uh, that one song with the with the uh, gay boys got back. Uh, you were you've always been very supportive, and I, it helped me come to terms with being gay uh, a lot easier. So thank you for Absolutely. that. Absolutely, there's really no shame in it, and I, I I encourage all gay people to come out of the closet, and we celebrate you coming out of the closet. And what now, the is fuck? he out at the firehouse? Ooh, great question. 
Yes, and it took a very, very long time for me to do that. I told everyone else in my life and family, but I was reluctant to do it at the firehouse. But really the reason I I was reluctant to do it at the firehouse is because firehouse guys, they smell fear, and they smell, they will joke about anything and everything without boundaries, kind of like you, Howard, as long as it's funny, and like like Gilbert. As long as as it's funny, it's okay. And since I wasn't 100% comfortable being gay i didn't want them to know because i knew the jokes would be relentless so i was i was reluctant to tell them at the firehouse but only because i knew that the, the jokes would be hard-hitting and relentless um and then yes i i, I finally came out at the firehouse and were yeah, you and pleasantly almost, almost surprised how tolerant your co-workers were and the fact that they uh, maybe some of them even high-fived you and said hey i'm so glad you uh, told us it's been more mixed uh, mostly one-on-one They've been awesome. From the oldest guy to the youngest guy, one-on-one, they're, they've been good. But there's also been some, some pushback behind, my, behind me, uh, behind my back. Right. I know that, right. that they've, they've pushed back against me when, when they wouldn't have otherwise because I'm a little bit more of an easy target now. I'm, oh, oh, the, the gay guy. So it's, it hasn't been. Before you know, came out. Before you can, mm-hmm. and I hate to hear that. I wish I, I don't know where, yeah. where you work. I, you don't you. have to tell me. I just uh, wish the other guys would just you know leave leave it alone. Because uh, he's the same just, guy before and after that revelation. Great yeah. point. Uh, would you when you were in the closet? Would you pretend to date women in front of the guys? Uh, not so much pretend. I really didn't want to be gay. I really wanted to be straight. It makes life so much easier. So I wasn't I wasn't dating women to present an image of dating women. I was dating women because I really wanted to, to flip that switch. Um, I'm like, okay, right. I can, I'm, you know what? I, I overcame a lot in my life and I, and, and I thought, um, you know, and, it, and it, in addition to having a, um, being a firefighter, I also have, have a law degree and I'm, I'm a wow. pretty accomplished guy. And actually part of that has to do with, with your influence, but I don't want to get off, off target. I thought I've accomplished so much that, you know, whether it's getting my law degree or being a firefighter, I can push through this too. If I really focus on it and I, I can push the gay stuff out of my mind, because there is still some you know, inkling of attraction to women, I can flip that switch and I can really, I can push that away. So yeah, I, I dated women from time to time, but not as a, a subterfuge, just as a uh, a way of trying to 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 make myself straight and fit into that box. I hate, Obviously, I hate it didn't, it didn't work. This... I hate that this struggle still has to go on. I hate it, and I only wish that gay men and women could be left alone to live their lives and not uh, have this be such a big fucking deal. And I only mention this because there's a push in this country right now to shove gay people back in the closet, and it's wrong, and we all have to stand up and say enough, and do not vote for politicians who partake in this nonsense. This is a nonsense issue. It doesn't matter if someone is gay. Stop it already with the religious bullshit. Let people live their lives. Um, did you actually end up putting your penis inside of a woman? Oh, sure. Yeah, I've had sex with a bunch of women. Yeah. And did you ever fun. get? Did, did, did you get? A, you, did you get some enjoyment, or was it so repulsive <laughs> to be near a vagina that uh, you almost threw up? Um, you know what? I'm. Uh, no, no, I had an okay time with it. Um, but uh, I don't think I've ever told this to anyone but i feel like like i'm so close to you you've been so supportive you've been you've been there for me over the years um the the first time i had sex with a woman 
I I was imagining the boys in the in the in the in the dorm in the, in the freshman dorms. We all showered together, so I was having right. sex with the girls. But I was thinking about the hot the hot guys on on the floor of my dorm uh, in, wow. the, in the group showers. Yeah, you know, I've often thought about this. You know, if someone said to me, "Look, you have to go make love to a man," it would be incredible. I I don't think I could do it. So for a gay man to have to go through the charade of being with a woman, I can't imagine a repulsion. I mean, it wasn't my that brain. bad. She she smelled nice. The boobs were were soft and and you know and they they kind of they had a, a cool way of pushing back. Uh, so it wasn't like a nightmare. I, I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed like trigonometry class. Right. But, yeah. But I, but then when I finally got over my hangups, um, having got having sex with men was obviously so much more enjoyable. I didn't I didn't have to pretend that I was with women. When I was having sex with guys, are you a top or a bottom? Uh, I'm mostly top. Um, my my penis is unusually thick, so guys almost 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 always want me to top them. Um, if if you know, if they're receptive to it, I'm I'm cool with being a bottom once in a while. But you know, guys almost always want me to top them. And I think, by the way, when people are on your show, they're afraid to admit that. Whenever anybody says, "Oh, I, I'm only a top. I'm only a top." Yeah, you I pretty know. much assume they're lying. Nobody yeah, wants to be a bottom. Oh my! No one wants to admit to being a bottom. <laughs> no one wants. Like, no even wants gay to men admit. feel it's too, too, too much feminine. It's uh, yeah, yeah. crazy. It's, By the I'm way, I, I'm curious. Oh, yeah. uh, before I run out of time, because Amy Schumer's coming in, but the, the, this uh, gay sex party you went. Why did mm -hmm. they invite 75 people? It seems to me if everybody couples up, there's going to be one odd man out. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, oh, I'm so glad you asked that, Howard. Uh, all right. There was no. There was no coupling out well first let me explain the scene and i thought of you at the party believe it or not it was at a it was at a um hold a, on a, a second will you just wait, wait, wait. Of course. let me here? just get this I, I mean people interrupt this show. oh everybody it's uh george takei from star uh, trek uh hi george help help my house is on fire <laughs> i'd like to report a five alarm boner <laughs> uh, george you're excited by this conversation i i take greatest it. Guest ever. Oh my. Brad, so you were, get the hell down here and listen to this strapping young firefighter talk about steamy gay sex. <laughs> well, you know, George, you make a good point. Uh, you know, the, the image of the firefighter, this strong masculine firefighter, must be making you uh, tingle. I'm sure you're tingling. I'm going tugging wild. myself so hard, I'm getting second degree burns. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you come like a fire hydrant. Oh, my God. Douse me with your fire hose. <laughs> well, don't hijack the conversation here. For a second, let Phil tell you about the gay sex party with 75 people. So Please. was it an orgy? Uh, what was going on? Oh, it, it was a, really it was a legitimate party. Well, first, when, when you arrive, uh, they have a, um, a coat check with, with everyone's naked, including the coat check person. And they take all of, they take all of your clothes and your cell phone and they hang it up on a, on a hanger with a plastic bag and they write your number on your arm with, a, with a, a magic marker. That way at the end of the party, you can come back and get your clothes and your phone. And then you walk in and it's, it was basically a club. It was an after hours club. And in the front room, there's a bartender with, with, uh, you know, the staff members wore shorts. Otherwise everybody was completely na naked. So there'd be a bartender serving drinks. They had snacks. And that's when I thought of you. There was actually snacks, food. Actually, I and love then, snacks. 
I love a gay, uh, <laughs> you gay orgy. You went right to the snacks, right? Uh, I, first, I, uh, first of all, I doubt I would have made it past taking my clothes off. I, I, <laughs> I don't want anyone to see that. Uh, yes, I imagine everyone's a good shape. Uh, also joining us is Chris Wilding. He has a question. He's uh, a very, very... He's uh, burning to ask. Yeah, yeah, you like George. George, <laughs> between you and Chris, Chris, he's mine. <laughs> Hang on, George. I, I just wanted to know how big his cock was. I know it's thick, but how long is it? Uh, I am... Uh, seven, seven and a half inches long mm. and seven and a half inches thick. <laughs> what? It's like a perfect square. I, it's a square. I've, I've used the, 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 the soft, the soft, um, tape measures that, um, mm. that tailors use to, you know, to measure the thickness. So I'm, I'm Can seven you imagine, old, Chris? Seven and a half inches. No. <laughs> it's like an oblong. <laughs> How old are you, Phil? I am 39. 39, mm. I see. Hmm. Well, uh, Chris, an intriguing young man, you must say. A oh, lawyer very interesting a, young man. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> Tell us more about the party. <laughs> the, well, the party, you were, the, everybody was supposed to be between 18 and 30. I got a, um, mm. I got a, I was allowed in because I'm, I'm in unusually good shape. So I got, I got waved in. So yeah, everybody, you, you check in your clothes and, and I was a little nervous. You know, I, I've been to like a spa where you have to be naked. So I kind of, that's how I, how I gave myself the courage. And then I walked in it. And at first, I was startled. There was a, a cute guy walking walking by with a boner. And I'm like, "Oh my god, that guy's got a boner!" But so yeah, they have <laughs> the front the, the front room is where where there are cocktails and and snacks. They have bananas and and little mini chocolate bars that <laughs> you can eat without without like being you know grimy and dirty and give you energy. And then in the back, they have beds and pr- semi private areas and um, you know sort of cubby holes. But there was no. Are people uh, are people turned away from the gay orgy because they're either too old or too ugly or both? Yes, yes. You need to be on the on the VIP list to get in, and then the there's a a um a bouncer at the at the front. So any Asians be, there? Uh, yes, and uh, I'm actually I I prefer Asians. So there there oh, were a couple oh. of, there were there were a couple sure. Asians. It was mostly a white crowd, but a couple Asians and, and, a, and a couple black. Well, George, it sounds like you've got the, uh, My let's say. Day. Yes, yes. Um, uh, can I slide down your pole? <laughs> um, I was a, a little bit um, unnerved, though, because, as I said, it was an under, it was a, an after-hours club, and, and the, the party I attended was in February when it was very, very cold outside, and there was one fire exit. And the fire exit was blocked with a big industrial fan, and mm. I was unnerved because, well, I'm a firefighter, and I when, I when I'm in a place that I that's clearly a fire trap, I'm going to look, you know, just instinctively look short the fire exit, and then right. everybody. It, it's naked. so great. He's at the gay origin. He's worried about the fire. Yeah, hazard, there's a fan right in front of the fire escape. Like me. Well, Phil, this is an amazing story. Here you are, a lawyer and a firefighter, which is an unusual combination. Most people would not turn to firefighting if they had that coveted law degree, but uh, nevertheless, he's like you've a done superhero. That. Yeah, and he's hung. Really <laughs> Uh, Chris, um, I see your mouth watering. Um, uh, <laughs> I know you're angling for a date here. Is that what's going on? I don't know. The 75 man orgy is a bit of a turnoff. I have to. I was with two. How guys much sex did you? Have? How much sex did you have, Phil? How many well, men at, did you enjoy that at, night? At the first party, I was kind of anxious. I was nervous, so I did. I did almost all. I, I did lots, lots of watching at the party. I, I you know, I had a couple of drinks because I was scared, and then I did mostly watching. I think at that first party. Um, 
I, I, I had sex briefly with, with two guys and it, it didn't go that well. Um, the, the well, first, what do you mean by that? Okay. Well, everyone was really nice. And also there was a kind of a <laughs> funny feeling of like to almost intimacy. Cause after a couple hours of just chilling naked and talking to different people, you kind of feel like you know everyone better than you do. Cause well, you're naked and you've been talking to them for a while. So it is <laughs> a really weird feeling of like, hippie togetherness almost but so i did i did almost all watching that first time because i was out of my element but um yeah so I, I walked over and i was watching some some dudes on this one great big bed and there was two or three people having sex and there was one little kind of cute asian dude and i wasn't planning on hooking up. <laughs> uh, i wasn't planning on hooking up with the asian dude but i just said you know to be polite uh and and truthful i'm like you're you're for sure the best the best looking guy here on this bed right now. Um, you're, oh my god! Hold on! Stop! 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 I'm going to explode. You need to slow down. My God! Well, oh. actually, I believe it or not, this is a terrible thing and a great great thing. I mean, I love that Amy Schumer's coming in, but Phil, I have to interrupt this incredible gay orgy story because no, uh, Howard, no. Are we out of time? We are out of time. We have to, oh. but we. But we celebrate you coming out. We celebrate the fact that you're a firefighter. Uh, we celebrate your seven and a half inch cock. Oh, thank you. That's uh, very kind. Uh, do, I did some quick like math. There was 75 yeah. penises there. That's an average of six inches of cock. And according to this calculation, that's 450 inches of cock and 37 and a half feet, if you want. And uh, there you go. Uh, and there Wait, were no. Uh, give me your number. Please, Brad, come finish me off. Can I see your cock? Yes. All right, yes, enough, please. All right, you two. Howard, no. Two, two quick questions. Um, Howard, yeah. you, if you'd like, I'm happy to, to call back on Monday or Tuesday and tell you, tell you more about the party and, and the snacks. Yes. And, uh, please, okay. and, please, please feel free to okay, call and in one, and finish this fabulous story. One one last question, at, uh, if you don't mind. Well, first, my, my condolences on the loss of, of Gilbert. I know you guys. Yes. Um, he would have loved you. And uh, we loved uh, this call. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my 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 question is: um, Gilbert um, was was a, an anchor on the show for many years. I, I heard him give an interview once, and he said he didn't know why why he stopped being invited, and he he was a little bit hurt uh, financially and, yes. and emotionally. Would you would you mind telling us why why did you stop inviting? Not Gilbert at all. I, I, it, it wasn't any great mystery. I mean, a bit. I'll tell you what. How about when you call back in, I'll go through the whole story with you. Is that uh, fair? I would love okay. that. Thank All you right, so much, Howard. Right. Thank, thank you for you your support of Gig at Eagle. Have a lovely day. You Bye -bye. bet. All right. Call back on Monday, Tuesday, every day. Make him a regular, Howard. Amy Schumer is here. Amy, uh, big fan of Amy and her stand-up. She has a new TV show, Life and Beth, currently on Hulu, which I have. I'm up to episode seven. Myself, there's the my, star. There's the star of Life <laughs> with Beth. Big star. <laughs> so funny. It's called Life and Beth, but no one knows what it's called. It's so funny. People are like, Life and Death. Life gets Beth. <laughs> Love Beth. Life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm because you're middle. Today. Listen to this. What's I sound like Elizabeth Holmes. Um, uh, I feel like you have to first say not COVID. Um, right. But uh, yeah, just my son gets every cold. And then we enjoy it as well. It's kind of the hardest it's thing. Sexy. The hardest thing about having a kid is that you get every cold, everything 
on the planet. You can't yeah. avoid it. You can't. You just can't and avoid just, it. Our son just like will like lick a subway platform, and we're like, okay, Chris and I just kind of look at each other like we're we're killing it. We're nailing this. I don't even know how you're doing it. I said to my wife the uh, other night. I said, Amy's going out on tour. You're doing your whore tour. That's coming up. That's right. You've got you got the whore tour, which is a great name. I mean, I've been it, living out the whore tour my whole life. Finally, it's named. Does it say on the ticket whore tour? Like if I yes. buy a ticket, to, it does. Oh, that's great. It does. It says whore that. tour. Isn't that good? I feel like I need to get merch for this tour. Yeah, because I would buy a ticket just to have the that as a souvenir, the whore tour. Well, please do. Yeah, I mean, time, <laughs> times have really changed, you know? I mean, that you could call a whore, a whore tour, a tour, a whore tour, and, and it's just great that they print that well, on I a have, ticket. Tom Segura is on the road right now and I, I don't remember exactly what his tour is called but i think it's i think his tour is called i'm i'm coming in you <laughs> something like i'm i'm coming yeah it's like something that sounds like i'm tom tour i'm coming like it's just you know yeah rules are different now that there's it's all streaming services now i, I mean that's awesome you don't have to be like you know i remember on my first on my first book i wanted to name it penis so it would be howard Stern's penis <laughs> <laughs> and they told me no, because back then it was like, there's just no fucking way. We're not putting that in the store. And so then it became private parts. <laughs> no. Private parts. Oh, that's how it, that's so funny. I, that I didn't know the Genesis. How does something talking about Genesis, how does it happen? Like I was on Daily Mail yesterday and I saw that you were buying a twelve and a half million dollar home in Montecito. I, I was so happy for myself. Yeah. <laughs> and then I heard this morning. That it's a total bullshit story that you tweeted out and said that I'm not buying a twelve and a half million dollar house in Montecito. And I actually was kind of sad when I saw that because I said, oh, Amy's such like a New York person. Like, I can't believe yeah. she's going to California. But how does that happen that they say that you are buying a twelve and a half million dollar house in Montecito? Well, we um, we were out in Montecito with a friend and um, and we went with them to look at a house. We looked at a couple of houses with them. Wow. So, yeah. And that's it. I would, I would love to buy that house. I would love to that, you know, Amy's bi-coastal now. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> but it's not was true. It, was it at least a house that you were interested in? Like you actually saw that house and, uh, and went to, went to view it. Yeah. I mean, we were, yeah, it was for our friends, but you know, you know, I, I I have so many questions about your new TV show because I realize how much of it is autobiographical. Mm-hmm. But of course, I would be. I just say fucking... I'm so happy to talk to you. Like it's just feels Me like too. it's been a long time, and I feel like I saw you right before the pandemic. Right, like we were. Yeah. You know, right before. We were at, right before we were at a a, a New Year's Eve thing. Yeah. Oh, right. That's at Steve's. At Steve's, yeah. and then it was just like. I feel like I blinked and now we're here, but I'm yeah, sorry. That was weird. Yeah, I really know yeah. how to keep an interview. I, I really know how to stop an interview. That's <laughs> what I'm known for. <laughs> no, we were lucky enough to be at Steve Martin's house. And mm-hmm. that was, uh, cool. New Year's Eve. That was yeah. very cool. He was He's playing the banjo. As someone who tries to make people laugh, it's got to, you know, I know you were in his play and you're yeah. going to be part of his new TV series, too. You're going to do a, a, a guest appearance on. Uh, yeah, it was supposed to be a surprise, but Marty Short can't keep his yap shut. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I get to be on Only Murders in the building. Yeah. Yeah. I shot I mean, it. It was so fun. 
it's got to be mind blowing to, you know, to be a comic and to become friends with Steve Martin. For me, it is the most thrilling thing that he would invite me to his home. Uh, you know, it, it, because, because he's one of the best that ever lived, right? I mean, really? for him, for him to give you the hug, you know, yeah. or the rub and say, Hey, I think you're worthy. It, it, and to, better to than feel anything. comfortable, to feel comfortable, like adding in my own ideas or giving some feedback is, um, even on only murders, you know, and when I did his play, um, he, you know, he was just very cool about like wanting to collaborate. And so that's crazy. Cause the first time I did anything with him, I had this talk, uh, this music talk show on Fuse back in the day. And I did a, a shot, a little promo with him cause his, bluegrass band was going to be on and i i I walked out of the studio the other day i cried i called my both my parents i just i just shot something with steve martin you know right yeah it's no it's amazing it's amazing these people that have where i've been like not even heroes to me just like i've like everyone else just love them for so long it it is amazing it is it is fucking cool to get to work with these people because I remember when I first met you, you know, you had some fame from the roasts that you would go on and stuff. But people, it wasn't like you were a household name. People didn't know the name Amy Schumer. And I remember back in those days having you on. And, and you, like you gave me, ma- Howard, if you think I would be sitting here and we would be even in, have a friend in Montecito without you. <laughs> I mean, really, I just want to, again, thank you. You changed my life. That's so thank you. Because I think that my life would be different would be very different. No. I'd probably be, no offense to people who wait tables, I waited tables and bartended for a long time. I would be waiting tables. Probably now See, at like a nice Keith McNally restaurant, but still waiting tables. Well, I got to tell you, I'm I'm proud to be part of any of your history because when I watch you, and I've seen you do live stand-up in, you know, in front of a crowd, I've seen you talk to a crowd, I'm shocked by how calm you are. I think part, <laughs> not not just the jokes, but there's a presentation that you do that is mind blowing to me. I don't know how a human being gets that relaxed. And someone once said to me, you know, you're that relaxed on a microphone when you're, I say, yeah, but I'm in a radio studio. I'm not sitting in front of a crowd or standing in front of a crowd being evaluated. My appearance and you just kind of have this comfort level that I don't know if that's a natural thing that you're sort of born with, or did you have to put in the 10,000 hours to get that relaxed in front of a crowd? You know what? I, in in college, my job was teaching kickboxing. And really? so, yes, that was my, I, for the college, I ta- I got certified in and I taught kickboxing. <laughs> and really, uh, yes, Towson University. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes 200 people, it was in the gym, 200 people come. So I think, you know, aside from doing plays and stuff like that when I was younger, I think doing those classes, having people looking at you, teaching people that I really think that got rid of a lot of my stage fright because it was never about people looking at me and, and judging me. It was like, I just wanted to remember my jokes. I, I got, I got over the stage fright by doing that. And it was, I, I was not a good instructor, obviously. Um, <laughs> I feel like I don't even need to say that, but, um, and I would really usually use, use it for like kind of therapy for what I was going through. You know, I'd be like, you know, we'd be like jab, cross, hook, upper. And like, I'd be like, fuck you, Ron. Or, you know, what? like, I'd be like, yell out the name of the person that's making you insane, you know? And so people would laugh and, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So the I think confidence. I got really the confidence, like I watch I recently watched um myself on the Charlie Sheen roast. 
and um and I when I watch some things I go god who is that girl like just how is she so confident I mean really right. it's I don't know what I don't know what it is I think something's obviously wrong with me like I have some personality disorder something that's undiagnosed because because it's crazy I don't know in but other I, words I understand that people are only thinking about themselves so they're only going to spend so much time judging you you know what I mean? Before you go yeah. back to think about yourself. So I think that's comforting too. So in other words, if I hung out with you in real life, I might see a person who doesn't come off so confident, who would, would show their insecurities. And oh, the yeah. amazing thing even to you, because I relate to this, I'm only <laughs> confident in front of a microphone. Right. Any other time of day, it's, I'm, I'm just a mess. I know. I'm hanging on by a thread constantly no i feel i feel raw and vulnerable uh and then yeah and then i think that's why comedians maybe we talked about this on here before but i think that's why comedians do stand up is is because we're so shattered and it's just like this sort of illusion of control like uh, and you you know it's um right. it's kind of selfish it's like i'm gonna be up here and i'm gonna say whatever i want and you just your con contributions you just laugh and then go home please and then that's it and so it's really one-sided. I feel kind of guilty about it. Um, so not the, so guilty the, that I want people to heckle me. So everybody who comes to see me on the horror tour, just, you know, pipe down. <laughs> so in the early days, or even when you're preparing for the horror tour and you've got to come up with new material because people yeah. have seen your old material, right. that requires an incredible amount of time where your jokes don't work, where you bomb. That's right. And when you stand there and you don't get a laugh, the panic doesn't set in or you just go, fuck it. It's like, I think stand up is like, here's why. And I hate that I'm bringing this up, but I know we're going to get to it anyway. But, um, but the reason that Chris Rock could stand there and get hit in the face and then stay up there with composure and give his friend an Oscar, give Questlove an Oscar is because he's a comedian. And I feel like we all, um, and yes, I am a white woman and I hate myself. Don't worry. Uh, but, but, but still you go through everything that you're afraid of happens to you while you're on stage and then you're just desensitized. So you're not shocked by anything. You're not my heart rate. If somebody heckles somebody, my heart rate never goes up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm at my resting heart rate on stage the whole time because, wow. because it all happened. It's like, it's like boxing, you know, it's like you're afraid of boxing. You get hit and then you get hit a bunch of times and you're like, Oh, okay. And yes, I have boxed. <laughs> um, is it like, a, is it like, a, it, but is it a, like a dream in the sense that you go on stage, it happens, and then you're not even aware of the passage of time? You're not aware it, of anything that transpired. You're not even aware of, aware of what was going inside of you and your body. It's just a, a it's just a time. No, it's like, it, well, it, it's like, um, no, it's like, I love experiences. Like I don't mind conflict. I don't mind when something's awkward. Like I, I don't, and I don't mind bombing. I kind of revel in those moments. Like I just think they're, I think they're so funny. I but don't get that. I've heard a million, bomb. wait a second. I've heard a million comedians say, I love bombing. I love, <laughs> like, I, it's like, well, it's I don't kind love of like funny. A, I wouldn't want to like bomb for 10 minutes or something, but like right. if I, like I tried a joke the other day and like I was, um, I was on stage at the cellar and I was like, just trying a new thing. I'm like, 
oh, actually, I tried this in Vegas. I was like in front of, I don't know, a couple thousand people. I'm like, does anyone else have trouble remembering what cancer their grandparents died of? And the crowd was just like, no. Like they were just like, no. You know, like they just, they <laughs> we all know. Like, it's such an honest, it's such an honest experience, actually, like, because people don't laugh if they don't, they don't laugh. If they don't think it's funny, you know, so they let you know. It's like, okay, and now I have that information that is not funny. People do not relate to that. I just feel like they're always like, what did your, did you have any this cancer in your family? And I'm always like, God, what did my grandpa die of? You know, and uh, <laughs> like, I think it's a funny thought. People, is you it, are, and I are alone. <laughs> but do you blame yourself? Do you blame yourself for that joke failing? Could you have put more thought into it and said, maybe if I set that up the right way? And... Well, I'm really testing out the premise, you know, and it's like right. people will laugh at a good premise, even if you haven't like crafted a joke, but they, you know, it was just like, no, or, or maybe they can relate to it, but they don't like that. They don't like that. That's yeah. It's, it's, it's testing. It's, it's all, it's all an experiment, you know? So, so in other words, you had this thought about cancer, grandparents and all this <laughs> stuff. You jot it down somewhere or whatever. You put it somewhere in a book. I don't know how your process works, but yeah. uh, you're on stage and go, I'm going to float that out there and see what happens. And yeah. you don't have even a joke set up for it. You're just kind of like, Hey, let's, let's see if the audience relates. Pulling the crowd. Yeah. Really? Now, yeah. what if they but, had you know, sometimes, Like I said, I'll say like, are, are you ever just so, are you ever so hungover? You just need to leave town. Like you just find yourself packing a small suitcase, like just putting toiletries in, like shaking, you know, and, and that people are like, yeah, when they laugh, you know, but. And when they laugh at that, then you kind of probe some more and see where I, yeah. where can I go with this? Yeah. Yeah. How dangerous like, is that though? Because you haven't really put much more thought into it and suddenly you're confronted with an audience and you put out a premise and they, they laughed and now yeah. you have nothing. It's crazy. Well, I feel like if, if it's that kind of thing where you're pulling the audience, like it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of like, you know, I, I am vulnerable up there and I am asking and it, it, it does feel like a little bit of a conversation to me. Um, even though it's not, uh, right. it's very controlled, but, um, but yeah, and, you know, and then, or some, or I'll have some thought for a long time and then I'll start to figure, and then it'll start to take shape. Like, I've been thinking a lot that like, you need to, like, in terms of marriage, you just have to find someone who can stand you. Like, that's, you know, like, right. like that's you find someone, thought. yeah, it's like, just find someone who can stand you. And then, and then like other things come up where I'm talking about my marriage and, you know, just how much it's like, especially during the pandemic, like we were all just judging each other, just like pacing around, like looking at each other, just criticizing. Oh, you're, you're going to do it like that. Oh, okay, cool. I would have done it right. But you know, just really, yeah, just, and then over time and then, you know, after doing it for like a year, like trying, it'll be in like a good spot and it'll God. be a whole new thought. Yeah. What an amazing amount of work. I mean, when you think about it, like the whore tour coming up and, and, and basically how long does it take you to put together a full set? I, I assume the whore tour is at least an hour. How long does it yeah. take you to put together an hour of comedy? A year. A year. A year. If I'm on, if I'm really working it hard, a year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How so the fuck I'm, are you doing that with a baby? You know, your, your, your young child. I know you're doing the horror tour. I know you put together this new TV show on Hulu. You are hosting the Oscars. You were. I'm shooting uh, my sketch show right now. 
I know you, you brought is. back um, Inside Amy Schumer yeah. on, on Paramount, right? You're doing that for them. You're going to do five mm-hmm. episodes. What, mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on with you? I mean, what are you burned out? And I have a, must- a new book, a new book out. Well, it's not. Wow. It's, the, it's me and Chrissy Turlington. It's for every mother counts. All the money goes to every mother counts. It's women sharing their birth stories it's called arrival stories. It's in bookstores now. Um, so and yeah, and that's, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. And, and are so you much doing part. too much? I, I mean, because, yeah. uh, to me, yeah. just putting out this uh, TV show, you know, it, it seems like a Life huge amount Beth. of work. Yes. <laughs> Life and Beth on Hulu? Life, <laughs> yes. Life and Beth on Hulu. Which, I mean, your by the way, name is in it. How much more can I spoon feed this title to you, Howard? <laughs> I know. I mean, well, first of all, your middle name is Beth. I know that. I know. I'm so lazy. I always but, name my character Amy or Beth or something. I want, I want to get back to this because I got to talk to you about the guy in your show, Michael Senna. Is that how you say his last name? Senna or Cena? Um, neither, neither of those. You're actually getting what further away. It to me? Michael, Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah. Sarah. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck. Yeah. He's so terrific in this. But before I get into casting a show that you've written and yeah. all of that. So it, the thing with the Oscars, I was surprised when I heard you were even going to host it because I said to myself, why the fuck does Amy even need that? Because we've, yeah, we've heard from endless comedians that How it is thankless and thankless and shitty the job is because you've got to walk that weird line where you're at a function where, let's face it, these people take it very seriously. It's, They're really it's such a shit show. I mean, really, it's, it's, yeah, they it's take it, everybody show. takes it very seriously. It's very, I wanted to do it because we've been in this in our homes for two years and I really want to wanted to perform. I, I love writing jokes. I'm always helping when anybody's like doing a, an SNL monologue or they're hosting something like I love helping with jokes. I love comedians, you know, like we all reach out to each other and I love and then it was like, oh, it's my turn. I'm working on something like I used to work on the roast, you know, so I love it. You know, all, so all in other friends. words, when I read that and I was surprised by this. I didn't know you were good friends with Kim Kardashian, but they asked her to host Saturday Night Live and you wrote her best joke for her, which most people didn't know. You oh. wrote that uh, I thought it was her best joke. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, she did. Such tell a the good joke. Job. You, you'll do. Well, you'll do a better job of it. Tell the joke you wrote for Kim Kardashian. Okay. Well, I'm going to butcher Live. it because it's been a while, but um, it was like, I really don't even remember how it went, but the the premise was like, Cause I, I was just trying to kind of put it into perspective for her. I'm like, you're usually, you usually, I don't know how many followers she has, but it's probably 300 million. I'm like, right. I think what 10 million people watch SNL. Like this is a, this is an intimate night for you, you know? Yeah. And so that was it. It was just like, I, I mean, the like, joke was more or less pointing out the fact that she has 300 million followers and being on right. SNL was a kind of a come down when, yeah, when you think like, about it. It's like doing a fundraiser for like a friend that's not going to raise that much money. So let me understand. You'll so sit home. I love SNL, and I would love to host again. Right. Why? Why haven't they asked you to host it? You've done sketch comedy, and you've been successful. I've at hosted it. twice. I've hosted twice. Oh, you have. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you would love to do it again. In other words. Oh God, it's like the funnest. Is that a word? Thing you can do. Yeah. So fun. Most fun. Yeah. Yeah. Most fun. It's the most fun thing you could do. I would We're having the most fun. I would never think you'd be friends with Kim Kardashian, because. Why? Because you're a comedian, and I would think she you make fun of it. She laughs at herself. Like they, that family is 
actually really cool. Like they, and she just laughs. She loves jokes about herself. I mean, she went after her family in that monologue. Right. You know, and they, right. you know, it was just, it's just so cool. It's like, it's just, you know, when people can laugh at themselves, it's like so good. And yeah, she's, um, oh, she's like a really, I think she, I mean, she's an amazing person. Like, think about what she's accomplished, you know? And, and, she's and you will hang friend. with her. You, you, in other words, this is a personal friend of yours and you guys hang out and all that stuff. We don't, we don't hang out. Like we've hung out a couple times, but right. you know, it's not like we get coffee twice a week and those mornings right. are for us, for the ladies. No, but we, right. um, we are in, you know, we text all the time and oh, wow. phone and yeah. Yeah, and I actually don't remember how it happened. Like, I I don't know. Oh, yeah, actually, yes, I I remembered how it happened. I think we we were both at the Met Ball a couple of years ago, and you know, the, you're not allowed to like bring anybody. I mean, I'm sure she can she could bring you know a, right. a hundred people if she wanted. I'm not allowed to bring anybody. So anyway, we right. get in the Met Ball, and uh, and we were like kind of alone. Like it was just. And we just started talking and like about what was really going on with us and how we're feeling about things. And yeah, we just like, yeah. And I mean, when I threw myself in front of her on the carpet, her and Kanye at the time 100, she, I could feel in that moment and I'm sure I was projecting, but she wanted to laugh. Like she was like, like she, and you know, she didn't know what to do and, and was definitely following Kanye's lead. But, um, but I was like, it made me think she's funny. Like that she, yeah. that she was like new, like that, that, that I was just doing something ridiculous. And, and I almost did it again. We, I was behind her in line at the Vanity Fair party. Um, it was her and her sister Kendall. And I, I, we talked, we said hi, we gossiped about the night. And then I was like saying to Chris, you know, my husband, I'm like, should I go throw myself in front of her? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, enough. Are you sure? He's like, yeah. So we, I was like, okay. <laughs> Sorry, there's yeah. trucks going by. I'm in my trailer, um, so I'm on the street in Brooklyn. There's trucks going by. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, actually, I'm in Queens. Oh, Paparazzi, I'm you. in Queens. Yeah. <laughs> you can hunt Amy down right away. <laughs> did when, when this whole Oscar thing happened? Did they try? Did paparazzi try to hunt you down to get you to make a statement, or was that a uh, big thing because you had been the host? Um, definitely, there was more paparazzi around me, but. Yeah. I didn't have like, you know, TMZ in my face. Like, it's just, so it's so hard to comment on that stuff because anything you say becomes a headline of an article and people only read the headlines, if anything. And I just don't want to be, people are thinking about themselves, but I don't want to be stored in people's heads as like an asshole who's trying to profit off of this. I get that. <laughs> you know, people said, oh, I feel bad for Amy because the slap uh, took away from the night and she was the host. And I got to tell you, I thought with the Oscars, when you were solo and they let you come out and do your monologue without the other two women, it was fantastic. I thought you had a really great, let's call it a set or whatever you want to call it. It it was great. And I could tell you. It worked really hard. Yeah. I I could tell. You took it seriously and you came out and you walked that fine line of like, hey, I'm making fun of people, but I'm not. I'm also celebrating them. And yeah, it's 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 a privilege. It was a privilege. It was. And I mean, you know, to get to that's for a comedian, like I wanted to do it like I wanted to do it and I want to have done it. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like I'm, I'm 40. I had my my uterus taken out. I'm getting I'm addressing my endometriosis. 
I'm feeling good. I feel like I'm in my prime. Right. And I wanted to do it. Yeah, but were you uh, annoyed? Honey, you, your prime is over. <laughs> were you annoyed when they asked you? Maybe you have to be diplomatic here. I hope not, but I can't I be diplomatic think, with you. I, it's, good because, and I don't. Maybe maybe annoyed is the wrong word, but wouldn't it have been a better choice? And no offense to the other two women; they they're terrific on their own. I'm sure. I, I know. I don't know the one woman, the but I knew Wanda time. is. Wanda's great. Linda and Regina. But really, honestly, wouldn't it have been great if you had been the solo host of the Oscars? You do such a good job on your own. Did you say to yourself, I'm so complimented, but why the fuck? Maybe it's a woman thing or something. Why the fuck are they asking me with okay. two other two other women? I'm going to be 100% honest. Thank you. It was, it was totally exciting to me to host with them. And... And I didn't want to host alone. I, they didn't offer it to me. <laughs> the, the the pitch like that I was asked under the it was very it was very different than what it wound up being. But I just was you know I, it was it was so fun getting to work with them and getting to do it. I would say if I ever did it again, I would I would feel comfortable doing it alone. Um, but I just had, had such a good time. With, with both of them. And I just love them. And I thought, I just like Regina, I like, I have just thought she's so funny for so long. And Wanda's my good friend. And, uh, and I mean, she's a killer. And so it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I appreciate that. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, and doesn't it get competitive too? Because if you want to tell a joke, then you got two other people standing there and you got to be diplomatic in the sense that uh, they have to have their time. You have I, don't to mind. Have I really time. like collaborating, not to sound like annoying, but I really love collaborating and I didn't feel competitive at all. Like, I feel like I work really hard. I know I'm going to be funny. I was happy to like, I would write things and give, uh, give out like the better best punchlines they would write things and be generous with me like it was it was really fun it was i think it we, i think everybody was a little nervous and wondering if we right. should be competitive and everybody's bringing their baggage from their career and their life and you know and the two of them being women of color and me like looking like someone who calls the cops um <laughs> you know, looking like a karen right <laughs> i mean i do look like a, i look like a karen it's it's not that's gonna be the headline of this i know amy looks like a karen no i but i do i really do like and I just, yeah, but, but in the end, like we really all, it was, it was just such a joy to work with, with them and, and be, you know, that was my favorite part. My favorite part is preparing. Like right. we just I love that. That's what it's all about. You know, talk, talk to me about the prep for, for a second, Amy, that, yeah. that when I've heard you say that you pitched a lot of ideas to the people who produced the Oscars. You guys were on zoom a lot. I don't know when the process begins, but you felt like they rejected a lot of your premises that you wanted to do some things that maybe were a little bit edgy. Um, well, I definitely never like I, in a show at a show in Vegas. I was like, you guys want to hear the jokes? I couldn't say at the Oscars, you know, just to get the crowd excited, whatever. Right. I was never going to do these jokes. I, I, I had, like evil, horrible roast jokes that I, I can't help that I wrote and they're in my mind. And, and, uh, on a live show, I'm going to say whatever. And I'm going to, you know, it's fun. You're coming to see me. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, um, it's not the Oscars. It's a live right. show. I'm in Vegas. I'm like, I'm going to say these jokes, but anyway, but yes, I pitched, I totally wanted Zelensky to come on the Oscars. And that was totally right. not 
Really? But, I mean, yeah. Why do you think they wouldn't approve that, Zelensky? I mean, that was that's a great idea to have. I mean, certainly, yeah, give them I a forum. Know. I really would don't they, know. Would, would that disappoint you? Would you just say, you know, God, uh, you guys, you're missing a big moment here. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. That's yeah, frustrating. I would, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just I thought would, it would be helpful. I thought it, I thought it, I thought it would be helpful. You know, it's like, if you can think of a way to be helpful, like... Like right now on Jess Seinfeld's Instagram, you right. can she has like a very clear way to donate and help with orphanages at the in in Poland at the border of these you know she met with like six hundred orphans. Um, right. And there's a way like here, give money to them. You know, I'm giving I'm giving a monthly thing that is helpful. Were you annoyed when you saw Zelensky on the Grammys? Like in other words, hey, that's what I wanted to do. That it, it makes I sense. I thought more people would have seen this. If it were on the Oscars. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. So yeah. as, a, as a comedian, do you, the, the, the whole slap thing, do you play it over in your head like the Subruder film and go, hmm, I, if I had it to do over again, I would have marched out and thrown Will Smith right the fuck out of that building. Or... I didn't have that feeling. No? I, I didn't. I mean... I don't know what I would have done if the power were in my hands. I, it was so, it was so upsetting. Like, and people made fun of me for saying that it was traumatizing, but I don't think it was traumatizing for me. I think it was traumatizing for all of us. Like it we was. all, we, it was like, it just was like, we like I, Chris rocks, my good friend, like one of my best friends and quest love is also one of my best friends. Like, you know, it's, a, this is a small town and the people who live in New York and stay in New York, like we're close. And, so to see that happen, to see your friend get hit, and then, uh, and also Will Smith, who I've loved, and we've all loved forever. Like I've, right. I don't remember a time I didn't think I love that guy. And and to and, you know, and I haven't been around much violence. Um, right. You know, I didn't grow up within the home or anything, so it it was upsetting for so many reasons, and it was upsetting to everyone, everyone at home who didn't even see what I saw, you know, who had a delayed feed or something. It was shocking, and um, it was a bummer. And, yeah, uh, it was. It was, and and I and I know when you were prepping, you even I don't know if Chris called you or you called Chris, but Chris Rock advised you. He you kind of said, "Hey, you've hosted the, these kinds of things. Yeah, what what do I do? Do you have any advice?" And he he was friendly and and advised you and 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 gave you some a comfort, I guess, before you had a host. Oh yeah, he. He's the best. I love him so much. He directed my special, one of my specials. Um, wow. <laughs> and we were friends before then, but we got, you know, that was years ago, but he, um, yeah, I'd asked him for advice and he was like, and he was like, you're Amy fucking Schumer, you know, like he just kept like being like, you know, just encouraging oh. me and yeah. And, 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 um, firing me up, you know, like, cause I'm like, Okay, and I I sent my jokes in like you know it's especially for women in in this business like you just have to start over every day. People are like they act like you've done nothing. I'm like I just right. like I'm so proud of my Hulu series. I directed a lot of it. I, I created it, and then it's just like you just start over and get respect like no respect. And I don't I don't think it's like that for men. I don't. Um, but women like you know Tina Fey is like still had to submit her scripts on 30 rock, you know, like and get notes. Like, right. it's like, what, what point do you have to get to where anyone will acknowledge that you have some experience? And Chris just, you know, did that for me. 
Um, Did you feel like that with the when you have to sit and pitch the Oscar producers? Um, uh, you know, you're probably saying to yourself, "Hey, you know, I've done a lot of shit in this business. I've had a couple of hit shows. I've had movie. I mean, what the fuck? What, you like, go, why I've am had I movie? <laughs> What's that? You've had a movie. I've you had, had the, you had more than one. I've you've had, you have Judd. The Judd Apatow movie, I'm thinking about. That, that was because, a, of course, you're thinking about that because I only got to make that movie because Judd heard me on here. Exactly. Really train, train, train wreck. Really but, train but, 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 you know, you've done a lot of really big things. And yeah. in a way, a, when you're sitting, I'm not even sure, you know, I don't know who the producers are of the Oscars, but who knows what the fuck they've done. I mean, who, why are you sitting there struggling with them? There's just, no, acknowledgement. They like, I, I, there's just no acknowledgement. Right. Thank you, Robin. Yeah. There's just there's no, like... You know, acknowledgement of like, yeah. Well, we well we think you probably know what's funny because you're the one who like makes their living and has devoted their life to <laughs> to that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you no. know something about it. No, what it, well, were it just the in and out? Like, there's just yeah. yeah. When you but, drop you know, down, I would say the, the producer were Will Packer and Shayla Co- Shayla, Shayla, um, Shayla Cowan, and they were great. And I think that they were they made a hot show. I think that was going to be a hot show. It was a good show. It was, you know, and and then um, and then the the slap happened, um, but you know, for me, I never, I, I had no, I had no thoughts of like how it affected me or my performance or anything. It was just upsetting as a person. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I found it surreal. I mean, when when he got up and accepted the Oscar, I go, why is this guy still sitting there? He just assaulted Chris Rock. I, I mean, it seemed abundantly clear to me what should be done. That this guy should have been hauled out of the, uh, you know, he just, he just basically attacked someone yeah, who assaulted him. I, I had never, I just, yeah, like I wasn't even the, I just thought, oh my God, Will Smith. I mean, and maybe this is bad. This is like, you know, I've, I've, I was in an abusive relationship, um, years ago, but I'm like thinking, is this like, my, I thought right away, oh my God, Will Smith must be in so much pain. Like I felt, I felt bad for him too, and that's just like that's probably not the right instinct, but yeah. It, it, I mean, the, did you see Gerard Carmichael's um, SNL monologue? Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, God. fantastic. Did you watch his special? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, he's gonna come God. on here. I, oh, I, I'm, I yeah, I am that. so taken with this guy. What did you think of that special? I was so taken with how he I used the audience. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we're talking about a special where. This comedian uh, went up and went on stage and came out of the closet on the special. Which Spoiler. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> There's it, a lot of spoilers great. in that special. Yeah. You don't want to give away. Um, when you see a special like that, you go, oh, fuck. That is so no. great. The way he used that um, audience and stuff to sit there and go, Shh. No, I'm just excited and inspired. Yeah. I, you know, it's like there's a lot of comedians out there who don't evolve. And I think it's, it's kind of disappointing, you know, to just do the same thing forever. Like, you know, when you really love an artist, you want to stick with them through what they're, um, you know, through all their different iterations. Revolution, like, Anita yeah. Franco, <laughs> I love, and she, you know, all these different, and some artists you can't, like, I, I love Neil Young. Michael Sarah loves Neil Young. Um, and there were moments where I couldn't really hang with Neil with the direction he was going, but, you know, then you come back and. Do you know Gerard Carmichael about. personally? Yeah, Gerard. And did you yeah. see? So did you see his evolution? In other words, I said to my wife when I was watching that special, like Amy, like Dave Chappelle, 
they're both very relaxed comedians and this guy's so loose as a goose i mean he is like relaxed on stage was he always like that or did you see an evolution with him i to be honest like i just saw a little bit of his stand-up like i know him from like hanging out and from festivals and whatever and spending time with him and just thinking that he's the sweetest guy and just love being around him um and then the special he's like everyone thinks i'm nice and i was like "Uh uh-oh uh but he uh but i hadn't seen much of his stand-up um just a little bit but i mean that is you're seeing him in in the moment he's evolving it's just it's so cool he's all but he's always been interested in process like he had an hbo special where he was like using his notebook and you know referring to it. and so i think i think it's cool it's like his his thing is like letting you in on the process and um you like that? Do you like a comedian who comes out and shows you his notebook and that he's uh, working on these ideas? I've talked to Jerry about that, and Jerry Seinfeld says... Uh, he must be disgusted. He doesn't like it. Yeah, he does, not. Uh, not about Gerard so much, but about no, a couple no, no. comedians in general. He doesn't understand that. He says, you go out, you have your shit together, and you got to yeah. have your jokes in your head, and that's it. Yeah. Which do you subscribe to? I would say both. If you had asked huh. me before this special of his, I would have said... A comic with their notebook working it out on a special um feels like kind of inappropriate to me like i i feel like you do your work and then you show people right. what you've been working on but special, i feel completely different about it yeah, yeah, yeah i think it's yeah. like totally noble and incredible what, what he's done so when you sat down to write I don't know where you're finding all the time to do all this writing but amy schumer is in uh, life and beth it's currently on hulu um, I was, uh, first of and all, you got, liking the I show? love it. Love it. My wife and I are, we're up to episode seven. I just so watched watching the, it together because we're watching they, it together. Yeah. No, we're watching it together. And I'm up to I, the episode we just finished was the one with Michael Rappaport who calls into our show all the time. What, what a, a terrific, what a terrific performance he does in your new it's show. Incredible. Rappaport, Michael, Sarah. Um, the woman with the mustache, um, I don't know if That's she me. goes, is she a man or what? I mean, well, I don't know what you, what you, what her pronoun is, but, um, uh, you, you know who I'm talking about? The, the, the one who plays your boss. There's a couple of trans people. Oh, oh, Murray Hill. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a he, legend. He's a right. legend in New York. Yeah. A New yeah. York cabaret legend, Murray Hill. I, yeah. I met Murray he, through Bridget Everett, who have you had Bridget on here? I haven't had Bridget on the air, but Bridget, um, she uses, uh, Murray also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, they're, they're, uh, that's where yeah. I, I watched her show. I was blown out by it. And then I saw her, saw Murray he, on your show. And yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. I, I've never had Bridget on. I, yeah, you I know you're good friends with her. would love each other so much. We, we had a weird experience at Jerry's house, actually. I've told it on the air. So. Well, we've all had weird experiences at Jerry's house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But Wait, anyway, what happened? I, I gotta know. I never heard this. No, I was a guest at Jerry's house, yeah. and uh, Bridget was a guest too. I I didn't know who Bridget. This was years ago. I didn't know who Bridget was. I didn't know she was a cabaret performer. I didn't know what she did. Yeah. So I saw this woman sitting there by herself, and no one was really paying attention to her. And I'm one of these people that goes, oh, well, I feel bad because I was always that guy. I was always like, so I was like, oh hi, what's your name? And then she told me her name, and I. And I was, you know, I was friendly to her because I didn't see anyone talking to her. I didn't know yeah. who she was. I said, what do you do? Oh, and that's she's, fine. 
No, she said, you know, I said, what, we don't, how do you know Jerry? How do you, how, how are you? She goes, well, yeah. I'm a waitress. I'm a, I'm, I'm a waitress. Oh, she was I still waiting tables. Okay. She was, well, she was no waitress. She was a, a, um, oh, she's the, I mean, she's she the was, most incredible was, performer you'll ever, you'll ever see live in your right. life. So, so she, so I spoke to her for a really but long time. But she was time. still waiting tables. But she didn't tell me she was in show business. So it was oh, weird. Oh, well, that's on her. Afterwards, I said to everyone, wow, she's a really nice woman. Uh, how do you know this, you know, woman? And uh, oh, she's, uh, she does a cabaret act. Well, like a cabaret act. She's telling me about waitressing. And so I felt like I was being goofed on. No, no, no. Oh my God. No, no. I felt she like I was just... like a joke or something. So I, I, so I, I never, you know, every I time I'd hear about her, I'd go, eh. I, I would love to go with you and Beth to see her at Joe's Pub Live. Well, I'm not going anywhere. Not with this fucking <laughs> oh, oh, are you are you like are you real locked down with the pandemic? Yes. Have you had COVID? No. So Have you? No. How can I get it? I'm hiding from it. I feel like I must have been exposed so many times. I don't know how I haven't had it. I, I don't know what you're doing. No. You're running around and uh, and and, and, and you have a young child. <laughs> is your um, is your child vaccinated? No, they're not. That age group isn't isn't um, allowed yet. That's what I mean. But, you got to be careful. I know, I know, but um, I don't know. Like we were real locked down. Like we were like weirdos, you know, for yeah. two years, and then I mean, we're not going out to dinner. I'm not going to bars. I'm not going to parties. Good. Um, but I am doing stand up. Right. So yeah, and I I mean I get tested so many times. <laughs> I get tested like twice a day just to be on sets. It's like the <laughs> production companies don't know that there's been any sort of ebb in, you know, in contracting the virus. It's sets are everybody. It's very serious. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I just feel like I feel like living my life and I hear you. I, I mean, don't want to get I it and too. I'm trying not to. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm good about masking up and everything, but yeah, but I, I mean, have you guys gone out to dinner or have you done anything? No, 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 no. We have, you, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, we have Beth's brother people. here and his family, but, um, we have them tested before that anyone walks in the door and, uh, we're they have really them tested super and sprayed. Yes. And sprayed down. <laughs> and, uh, it's unbelievable. So, so, uh, uh, and by the way, how's your sister doing? She always is with you. Whenever I've seen you, your sister's always with you. Is she working on the new special, this, this new stuff for, um, um, you know, uh, the new stuff you're working on? And is she part of the, uh, new show on Hulu, uh, Life and Beth? Um, no, she's like insanely busy. Like she's a comedy writer and right. has her own stuff. And I think, I, I think she, you know, I think it was important to her that like, like she's so funny and right. it's, I, I, I'm just projecting cause she's never said this, but I I think it's gotta be annoying to be a famous person's sibling, you know, cause it's like, right. we didn't ask for that identity. Um, so I think she's like really enjoying working on her own. Right. Doing yeah. her own thing. Doing her own thing. And she's yeah. killing it. Yeah. So, so I always see you with her. So I was wondering if she was, um, uh, Still she's working on the show. Yeah, she's great. So, so talk to me about this new show. So, when you have a guy like Michael Rappaport on, are you so involved that you do you? I don't know if you audition people. Like, how do you decide that uh, Michael Sarah is going to play your husband, and how do you de decide that Michael Rappaport is going to play your father? What? What? Um, how involved well, Mike, are you in he's that? He's my like friend and boyfriend, but um, right. I. 
uh, no, I just offer it to them. I called, I called both of them. I called and say, I'm doing this thing. I think you'd be amazing at it. Actually, Rappaport, I was like, cause he's like a good friend. Um, right. him and his wife are, are, are good friends and they, um, you know, I was like, I, I was like, Oh my God, it, it hit me that he should play the role. And I was like, oh, I was, I called like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. You have to play this role. I'm like, you don't even know how much you're going to kill this role. You're doing it. And, and, you know, and he did kill it. It's a great role for him. Beautiful but here's role. my point. The reason I called Michael Serra your husband, it's clear that Michael Serra is based on your real life husband. What? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> your real life husband, kind of your real, yeah. your real life husband has autism. You've talked about this. Right. And, and Michael Serra clearly has autism in this, uh, He's show. undiagnosed. He's undiagnosed. Okay. But, but the I'm way just saying, he's not like playing someone who knows they're living with autism. He's and socially the, awkward. That makes it sound so and, dramatic, yeah, living with yeah. autism. Like, that is, <laughs> I, I mean, really, all my favorite people are on the spectrum. And it's, you are, and the woman who uh, plays your mother. Laura Benazzi. And I know, yes, and I know your real life story. It's yes, a very yes. difficult story and painful story. There is so many parallels in this show to your real life. Thank your you. mother episode nine that's when you really find out what was going on well i also um well there's a lot going on first it's of all there's um i heard about episode nine. Oh, okay where the with the um this thing about pulling out your hair yeah trichotillomania yeah and you called. said you're so open and honest but yet you were embarrassed that you had this trichotomy yeah. whatever you whatever you call it i know it sounds like the fear of spiders or something but it's compulsively I, pulling your hair i used to do this thing where i when i would sit i would pull the hair on my you know my beard my facial hair and i pull mm -hmm. it out it's self and it felt good i yeah, liked it don't try but it don't, I, well let's not sell it to people don't try it <laughs> no but i looked at it and i that's what made me stop doing it i go there's a big hole in my face like from pulling on this hair yeah a lot You're of saying, people love it why were you so ashamed of this? Because when you were a young girl, you, 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 what happened? What, what, what age did you start doing this to yourself? Um, around 13, right? When all this was happening with my family, uh, I started, I started pulling my hair and, and I pulled out when I was 13, I pulled out so much hair that I needed to get a wig and wow. wear it, wear a wig to school. And it was, it was humiliating and it was, um, it was really hard. Is it humiliating because you know you should stop doing it and you you compulsively can't stop doing it? Well, causing your own hair loss, like it's considered self-mutilation. Right. So I said, I'm really proud that that my problem doesn't hurt other people. <laughs> you know, like right. there's all these things where it's like, that's my thing. And it's like, well, I'm happy my thing only hurts me. Um, but uh, But it was... Just being, um, like just feeling like you're deformed, you know, like feeling, feeling ugly and unlovable and, um, and, and having big bald spots. I mean, it was like getting ready for school every day. You know, I ate my lunch in the nurse's office because, because people like were, like I heard someone say like that I made them sick. Wow. So kids were making fun of you at school because yeah. they'd see this bald spot. Yeah. And I was so extra confident. I always had a boyfriend. I was always like, everybody cool has no hair. You know, like I, I was just, I was just, 
I thought I was okay. Like I, I thought I was okay. And I didn't realize that I was not okay. And that the hair pulling was a symptom of that. It's also just genetic and just a habit people have. You don't have to be going through some life trauma, but I happened to be in, in the, you know, in the middle of the most like traumatic things that could, uh, that ever happened to me. Um, and that it's, it's, a, it's self-soothing. So, um, but it's such a weird thing because the, the thing you're being ridiculed about, you could yeah. stop. Well, but, it's, it's like, it's like heroin addiction, Howard. It's like, it's urge response, urge response. It's actually more addicting than heroin because it's so easy and you do it without thinking about it. And, uh, I would not even realize I did it and just look down and there'd be a pile of hair. Were you yeah. so invisible to your parents? And I know, well, I, I, I want to ask you about this because it ties in with your new show. Please. But were you so invisible to your parents that they didn't really address the situation besides I, I guess some parent took you to get a wig but 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 shouldn't yeah, they have said to you what's going on that you're well they did this? they did they were no it was my mom was especially like just horrified and upset by it i she would help me do my hair before school every morning and she would be crying while she helped me with my hair hmm. um Oh my yeah, God. This really, is like a major thing that you've got major, major. I'm getting choked up. I'm getting, I'm getting emotional. Um, because you had, I think you're I, getting emotional because you had to keep it a secret for so long. You know, like you didn't talk about it. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I, I didn't. It's been like a big, it's been my big secret. You know, I have so much shame about it. And I just, I just thought like, what if I let go of that shame? Like, what is that shame? It's like, guilt like being a mom feeling guilty like what is that who does that help white guilt you, useless what are you going to do to help you know mom guilt who it doesn't help anyone to feel guilty and um and this shame just didn't serve anyone and so i really just wanted to try to let go of it and accept it about myself and um yeah and this was this was part of that so when you were writing the show you said that's when you made the decision look i'm gonna have my character pull her hair out and yeah. therefore i'll come out to the world and talk about this because obviously you're going to be interviewed and talked about it so it yeah. was a conscious yeah i haven't That's really talked about it at length with anybody this is this is new um but uh wow. yeah but um yeah and well, i wanted to be really sensitive and careful about how i talked about it because because it's a really emotional thing and, and this and this specific addiction is like something that i know a lot of people struggle with and so i thought god if i could help them let go of some of their shame and i could let go of some of my shame i think it would be helpful yeah what is the shame that you are not perfect that you oh, it's just, um, it's a, i just think of it as a really strange behavior that people can't relate to and it's like you know and, and yeah like that's the thing you just like people just think like just stop just right. don't do it's like it's like if someone's anorexic or bulimic you know it's like just eat it's like right. that's not how that's not how it works it's yeah how did you stop it though how did you fully stop because i mean you have the beautiful luscious hair if i may oh, say so thank you i um, have extensions i have voel extensions actually if anybody wants to look it up that is um, the secret but seriously how did you stop yourself from pulling uh, your hair out i still pull my hair oh you do i do i do I still do it. If I, if I didn't have these Voel extensions, um, I would be, I, I, I couldn't be on camera. I, I have probably half the amount of hair I should have. I mean, if you took out the extensions, we would see that you, you don't that have a lot of hair. Very thin. 
Yeah. Wow. And that's you all know, from Poland. And, and I'm lucky that um, extensions have become so normalized. And every woman you see on camera in any movie is wearing a wig or has a lot of added hair. That's just how it works in the business. It's not even strange. Like I used to be embarrassed about having like these little clip in extensions. But I just think all these things that we've, you know, been like ashamed of and hiding or, you know, w- women who, you know, we've, we put on makeup, we put in extensions, we put, you know, put on spanks. Like we're, it's, it's all, it's all good. It's like just doing whatever you want to do to feel good. Um, see, and I see you as someone who's so free. Like sometimes I see some of the, even like some of the outfits you choose to wear in the show. I know that you sometimes put on an outfit because you think you might even look funny in it or. Oh, yeah. 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 Those are this conscious decisions. Be always making us like it's supposed to be a swing and a miss. Right. Like, yeah. like, all, like almost, you see what she was going for. But yeah, not flattering. No. And the sketch that, show, forget it. I'm like just a ghoul. I'm just, uh, you know, just floating around in some really unflattering shit. Like the episode I watched where you went fishing. You know, with uh, with your sister and uh, and Michael, yeah. I go, uh, oh my God, the outfit you're wearing, and, and Beth and I were laughing so hard because we go, we we know Amy chose that outfit because she just looks so, you know, like 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 the worst outfit she could pick for herself. You know what I, I mean? Know. Oh, and I it's know. Great, but I love I, that kind of choice. A little like an oompa loompa, like I love it. I loved it. Just yeah. I have camel toe. Like it's just all a mess. <laughs> yeah, the camel toe is just the great. camel toe episode, right? With yeah, the mom. <laughs> but do you think the 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 hair pulling thing? You know, I see that like with any addiction, it's a distraction. It's something that you are able to use. Your brain is able to use to keep you distracted from the true pain in your life. Yeah. And all jokes aside, in this show, I think you show a lot of what the horrors of your life yeah um in real life i've talked to you about this before it's no secret mm-hmm. that your mom cheated in real life your mom uh, cheated on your father she was uh having an affair with your best friend's uh husband uh, uh best friend's father yeah that shit that, of course you're pulling your hair out I mean, she's your rock. She's the person you have to go to and say, hey, you know, I'm in trouble. And, yeah. and yet your mom is causing all these problems. What happens when you're, you know, the people who are supposed to love you and support you the most when they like are destructive and, and hurt you? It, it it changes the game. It's like being a child of an alcoholic, like which I also am. <laughs> right. Um, I, uh, yeah, it's it was brutal. And and the show like and in my real life, it, it's taken me a long time, but like. I really forgive her. And I don't know what she was. She was, you know, my dad had gotten MS. He couldn't work, but he lost his business. She was working and she, I mean, then she became a single mother of three kids. Like, and she did it and she rocked it. And so I have forgiven her. Yeah, and she has forgiven herself. But um, wait a second. A long did, time you to get sh- there. did you show these scripts? Cause your mother doesn't come off well in the TV show. And we know it's autobiographical. Um, this, you know, I see in the she show, saw, which was, she saw all the scripts. She, she saw all the episodes. Yeah. Because I, I wanted, I was, I'm always like, if I'm going to pres- represent anyone, I want to ask them, you know, I don't want them to be upset with me. So can I, is there anything you want me to take out? Is there anything you kind of can't deal with? Or do you want me to get rid of the storyline, whatever? And she is just so cool about it. She's just like, no, I your mother- this is your story. Like she's just, yeah. She's but does cool. your mother ever say to you, Amy, 
when are you going to stop beating me up? Like, I could see where she might break down and say, enough already. Please stop. You know, this is painful. Uh, I know I caused you a lot of pain, but could I? And has she apologized to you? Has she said to you, I know I caused you a lot of pain and I feel awful about it? Yeah, a million times. Yeah, but she doesn't feel beat up by it. And it's it's not me beating her up. You know, it's me. I, I have a right to... Um, to to talk about things from my perspective, to show what I've been through, and and she's really the one who who made me understand that, you know, and and we all get like so worried about um, the things you're not supposed to say or whatever. It's like oh, I wanted to really express what happened, and I think just knowing how we all have had our own drama and these moments and. And we're the people we are today because of all the things that we've been through. And, and that, that's kind of what the show's about. Just like, I hope people really think of their own childhoods and their own lives and, you know, and, and kind of think about things they could let go or they could try to move on from that they haven't really addressed yet. And a lot of family, it's stuff that you just never talk about in your family. But my mom doesn't feel, um, at least she has never expressed to me, like feel wronged or anything by, by me sharing this stuff. And in terms of when am I going to stop beating up on my mom? I mean, do you ever, does anyone ever really stop beating up on their moms? Nope. You know? No, 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 no. This is my show. Yeah, no, exactly. And I am waiting yeah. for, you know, my son. It's like, I'm just enjoying these. Also, everybody always says like, Oh, it goes fast. It's like such an un, it's like not a good thing to say to people. It's like, let me just enjoy this while he's young and he loves me and he wants me to hold him. You know, they're like, Oh, Hold on to him because soon he's going to hate you. You know, it's like, okay, thank you. Yeah, the stop with the predictions. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. You know, I mean, I, I think what makes your your new show so strong is that the, you know, the father in the show is homeless, which is really an incredible sort of, uh, and you don't see that in a lot of shows where, you know, you go and visit your dad and he lives in the park. But that's sort of like what happened in real life. Your dad's the sympathetic character in this. You're, well, my you, dad's you have, in a wheelchair in real life. Yeah, you know? Right. And, you, and he and you, yesterday called me and said he's just doing a dancer size class. So I don't really know what's going on with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you feel you feel simpatico for him because you because your dad was left and he was left by your mom. And you I think my I dad was probably a horrible husband. Uh-huh. And I know he was awful to women like, you know. When, when your, your dad is like, like, you know, he always says, you're the first one I kept because I think my dad probably paid for like a wing of Lennox Hill or no, or for a Planned Parenthood with like, well, they don't do abortions. <laughs> By the way, bands yeah. off our bodies and we are losing all of our rights. Yes, we are. Planned Parenthood needs our support. Anyway. Um, but I, I, I love my dad. You just love your parents, you know, like I just love him and he's, so he's beyond flawed. There has to be a new category for what my dad is. And I just, I just love him and I love being around him and he's so funny, but he is, I can see, you know, he, it's very clear that he is disappointed specifically women, um, his whole life, you know? So I don't think that my mom like left the sweet doting husband. I think he did the best he could. I think she did the best she could. I'm doing the best I can. You're doing the best you can to avoid getting COVID. Robin, you're great. <laughs> Gary, well, meh. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, no, no. It, but, 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 uh, you know, I think this, it's very revealing the whole show. When we look at your life and even this thing with the hair pulling, which is so fucking, uh, horrible. Yeah. It, it I believe it, it, you know, when you have the pain of a mother, you would have, I, I think I have it right that your best friend when you were growing up, this was her father, your mother was with, and that ended your friendship with your best friend. Yeah. Of course, you're going to pull your hair out. You're going to do something <laughs> self-destructive. You're going to do something, whether it would have been drugs or. Well, uh, or I could have like processed it and let it in. I, I didn't cry. I didn't. I was so tough about it and wanted. I just wanted to be like my mom treated me more like a friend. And I just wanted to support her and be like, you go, bitch, like get your life. You know, you found love finally. And then, you know. When she started like dating men, you know, like it was like a little bit of a revolving door in our home and it was like losing faith in mom a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, but and you know, yeah. if you had rebelled or processed it, you would have lost your mother, or at least it would have appeared that way. Right. So you started pulling your hair out. Myself. Some people yeah. cut themselves. There's all different, you know, self mutilation. Um but I really thought I was fine. My parents getting divorced, us going bankrupt and moving from like a beautiful home into like a shoebox. Like, you know, there was a time where I slept in, in a bed with my mom, like my bed. My mom and I shared a bed <laughs> like we had this family went through a lot. Um, yeah, it's like just so much pain. And yeah. and, and now that's why I, I I try and let myself really feel what I'm feeling. So I don't hurt myself, you know, because it'll catch up to you. That's and that's what the I, show's about too. If you, it'll yeah. manifest itself physically, if you don't, if you don't take care of yourself and you know, deal. Well, the show's a funny show, but it's got a lot of truth in it, and that's what I like about it. That's yeah, why I think making it sound like a comedy, but it is. <laughs> but it is. But but I. But you know what? It's uh, the, that's why I think you said after the Academy Awards, hey, I felt triggered by this yeah, incident. This. Because you're letting yourself feel, and like I'm yeah, letting people feel, and I and I think we all felt that way. I'm, it wasn't me. It wasn't like let's make this about me. It was like I'm, I'm trying to relate to people. Like you know, I think it really. And when I talk to people about that night and everything, like I just feel like we all experienced it the same way. Actually, even yes. though I was there backstage, whatever, I don't think that my experience was that unique. It was, you know, and I know like Wanda was really upset about. It. Like we were upset about it. It was upsetting. It was sad. It was crazy. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I just now I'm like, now I probably think about it four times a day. But, you know, like Gerard's monologue, like there was a while. I was thinking, it was the only thing I was thinking about. It was the only thing right. anybody was thinking about. Right. Yeah. And then he in his monologue, he's like, and then by Wednesday, I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> it was so great. And sharing the timeline was so funny. And I, I, you're talking about him being at ease. Like he was so at ease uh, doing it, doing an SNL monologue, saying in the monologue, I'm probably the least famous person who's ever done this. He didn't care. Like it was just, it was inspiring. When, when a comedian does something new and, and does some incredible work, it's inspiring. And actually, I'm really proud of my set at the Oscars. And so many be. comics reached out to me. So you should be so proud of that monologue. You came off really yeah. well. That's why I was glad you had a moment alone. And also when you came down in the Spider-Man outfit, I went, Fuck. <laughs> I remember coming down as fart man and it was scary. I almost lost my fingers because the wires almost, they got caught in my fingers. Oh, and God. I, 
it was oh. so scary when I saw you doing that. It it triggered me. I went, oh <laughs> fuck, she's on that those was fucking your wires. Of the night. Forget about yes, Wilson. It was. Have yeah. you have you um, have you spoken to Chris at all uh, since the Oscars, or have you just kind of said I'm not going to bother him? Oh no, he's yeah, he's my good friend. I saw him right after, um, and uh, and yeah, we've just texted a little bit, and uh, I'm going to try to get dinner. I hope. Soon. What do you do uh, as a comic? What? How do you advise him now? What do you do? Do you ignore it, or do you have to you have to come up with material so you have to deal with it? Like what? What oh, the fuck oh. do you do? If you're him, I don't know. Yeah. He, he, he knows what he's doing. I have, like, I just have a bad poker face and I need to share what's on my mind in a, like a compulsive way. Yeah. Um, but I think he's really smart. He's, he's not really addressing it. Um, so I feel like I, you know, he hasn't spoken publicly about it. So I shouldn't like speak right. for him. Yeah. But, no, no, you, he's a pro. You shouldn't. He's a sweetheart. You sure and you know that's, that's an added layer of oh, another reason I was triggered was it was about Jada's hair, <laughs> right? You no know, hair loss. I was right. like, oh. like that. You know, I'm always that growing up. Not anymore, but growing up, if somebody talked about my hair, I would just it was like the biggest fear in my life. Um, and uh, I'm sure that's like a big deal for their family. Um, yeah. Thank God, thank God, you didn't write any Will and Jada jokes. I did. Uh, I did. You did? What was yeah. your... Well, oh, that's well, Actually, right. one joke I said was Phil Wang, this amazing comedian, and you should have him on. He's going to be in town. He's from London. Uh, can I be your booker? Is it? Do you mind yes. if I become your booker? I, I, okay. but call me once in a while and make a suggestion, but go ahead. Yeah. Don't even say that because I will. Okay? Good. I'm all up Don't for Don't threaten me with calling you. <laughs> um, he, uh, he, he wrote this amazing joke that I said, which was um, that... Uh, you know, oh, it's inspiring, isn't it? Um, for so long, Hollywood's ignored women's stories, but this year we finally got this, a, a movie about the incredible Williams sisters' dad. Yeah, that was yeah. a great one. I wrote, that <laughs> and, was uh, great. Yeah. yeah, and I said that, and then, you know, but I also, to be honest, I did reach out to people and I was going to joke about before and make sure it was okay with them. Oh, you did? Because I've, I've been burned too many times and the camera, I didn't want the camera to cut to somebody looking sad or, you know, so I told the Williams sisters, told Will, you know, I told Leo. I don't blame you. Be like, yeah, yeah, because people. Leo was fucking... okay with that. That's hysterical. Yeah. So go ahead. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> makes fun of him with the young girlfriend. With the right? young That's girls. <laughs> and, you know, Cammy, his girlfriend is like the shit. Like yeah. she's actually like, the coolest bitch you'll meet, um, but and yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't care. Yeah, I and and, that, and the um, Kirsten Dunst, I did a bit with Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons. That was completely orchestrated. We talked beforehand, and then after I did it, you know, the joke was that I was pretending like I thought she was a seat filler, and uh, you know, we all worked that out together. She, um, I got death threats. I got really? the Secret Service reached out to me. They were so bad that the Secret Service reached out to, yeah, about that bit. I'm like, oh, I think you have the wrong number. This is Amy, not Will. Like, it, it must be, you must have the wrong, no, you are getting death threats. Okay. Wow. okay. Not I mean, that I want Will to get death threats, but it just, the misogyny is unbelievable. And, and people, you know. Wait, well, I'm not understanding. Why did you get death threats? What the, what the? Because they were like, you can't, you can't, how, who do you think you are to disrespect Kirsten Dunst like that? Um. And this really, the, the LA, and the, the Secret LA, Service, the Secret Service, the LAPD, because it was 
they were that serious and that many. Um, and they called me and they were like, uh, you, did you make fun of Kristen Dunst at the Oscars? <laughs> I was like, yes, Kristen. <laughs> um, we worked at, you know, but she was really nice. She, her and Jesse are the coolest. And then, and she, she even posted like, Hey, I knew about that bit. Like, cause she knew I was getting death threat. Um, Jesus. Yeah. I know. Oh, it's really crazy. grisly. It's really grisly. The Instagram, all these people, it's like, I get a lot of. I read a comment. Did you read the comment from Jim Carrey after the Oscars who said, if I was um, Chris Rock, mm -hmm. I would sue Will Smith for $200 million because that I clip. I did hear that. Um, he said, because that clip is going to be around forever. And I agree with him because Chris is going to now, who, you know, when I analyze what Chris Rock does, he's one of the greatest comedians, if not the greatest, when, mm -hmm. you know, he's got a swagger. It's his whole demeanor on stage. He's yeah. got to now live with the fact that he was smacked on stage and deal with that shit that it's going to like it's it's it really a problem the rest of our lives. But it will really be with Chris. It will. You know, that's that's yeah, that'll take a long time to shake off. I would I would imagine. Yeah, because what do you do? You know, you walk out and like, oh, everyone's looking at me. I'm the guy who got smacked. I'm the, I, I, worse I know than this. your like worst nightmare, you know, like, the, you know, just it, like in terms of performers, we have nightmares about performing. Like, imagine you woke up like, oh my God, you'd be like, oh my God, I, I was at the Oscars and Will Smith came up and hit me. Like, it just sounds like a fever dream or a nightmare. Yeah. And, and I've talked to Chris a whole bunch of times about being bullied as a kid. I had a horrible, yeah. horrible experiences. And I got on Long Island. You. you must really be connecting to this show. Oh yeah, you. you oh yeah. <laughs> Listen, you're a Rockville Center girl. I know that. I, I the anti-Semitism uh, alone. You're Jewish, oh, right? Oh yeah. Well, um, that's where the archdiocese is. I mean, forget about the, it. In the town, yes. Yeah. In the town, yeah. I grew up in. Yeah. So yeah. the people. I I just grew up that it was just understood that you all that everybody hated Jews. It was just like. Yeah. And this guy, David, this famous London comic, David Bedelli, has this book, Jews Don't Count. It just talks about how, like, Jewish people, you know, like, the incredibly awful threats of violence and actual violence and, you know, just, but it's like, I think people feel like it's triage, like, you're not, well, we're not allowed to talk about that trauma. Like, people are like, we can only talk about one group's trauma. Um, but, you know, a lot of groups have trauma and it's, I think, um, you know, so I, I just, I'm trying to joke less about being Jewish. Like, I'm trying to not hate hate that part of myself and be and just be proud you know and and that's on the tv show i'm trying try to embrace it a little more too you know um, who's real good at that sandler he's really good he is not self-conscious about being the jew yeah. at all I, I admire that about him you, yeah. you know what i mean oh yeah no because we i'm sure you grew up too where it was like something to be embarrassed like they called me amy jumer like they threw, threw right. pennies at me like you know it was like it was People always think Jews are on Long Island, whatever, but not where we lived. No. Um, well, my mother no. was the worst at picking neighborhoods. I, I grew up in an <laughs> yeah. all black, I grew up in an all black neighborhood. And then when I couldn't take that anymore, being the outsider, she finally agreed to move. And we moved to Rockville Center. And I, holy fuck. I'm like, award I, for bad choices. Oh my God. I was like, I got to get the, away from these two. They, these two are killing me. I mean, if I go through one more experience, I'm going to, I've had enough. There's a golf course in the middle of ah, the town yes. of Rock Center, the, the links. And it was just we known across that the street people, from it. people. Yeah. That we weren't allowed there. And you lived across the street from it. This place. Lived that across you, the street. 
So I moved from the black. I moved from the black neighborhood to Rockville Center. Right. And my, my and, and I, I moved there, and, and a kid yeah. comes up to me and goes, "Oh, you see that golf course? Jews aren't allowed there." I go, "Where yeah. the fuck am I now?" <laughs> yeah, I, I bet they have Jewish members now, and maybe they've like coerced a black person to join just so maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Life is crazy, isn't it? Would you have ever it, predicted it, you'd host the Oscars one day, and then someone's going to smack someone? And I mean, it, it, it's like the it, it's crazy what goes on in life, and then. And then one day you'd make a show, a, a TV show about your mom and the, the, the <laughs> cheating and the, and your, and the, the, the dad and, oh my God. And, 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 and by the way, is, is the character in the new show, you know, it's fashioned after your husband. It seems like, um, this thing with autism, it's a brutally honest relationship. So when your husband's talking to you, <laughs> it seems like there's no filter. At least it's, I get that from the TV right. show. Yeah. Did you talk to him at all? I, I, like for two seconds, you and I were talking, and Then I, I, but yeah. I didn't really have a long conversation with him. Right, right, right. Well, my, one of the things I say, it's like once you get diagnosed with autism, it's like a little bit of a superpower because like someone will be in the middle of a long, boring story and Chris will straight up just walk away. Like, in, in the middle. <laughs> yeah. You know? And like, yeah. you know, people really don't know much about autism. They, like they're just, oh, does he love to count? Should we right. drop them? I think Rain Man, on the floor. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Do you, it, 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 yeah. Well, you know, there's all, there's all kinds of uh, autism. There are guys yeah. wearing, you know, they, 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 you know, you see some kids who are like banging their head into the wall. Then there's mild autism. So there's a whole array of different symptoms and things. So, you know. Yeah. It's, um, you know, uh, but him not having a filter is, it was just, you know, I, I really am trying to like port portray it in like a very, honest way um and and you know to, to be honest we auditioned a ton of actors who are on the spectrum um and uh and and michael just took it so seriously and and just you know it wasn't trying to play chris like you know do chris he's not like but watched a lot of footage of him read a ton and uh yeah and he was just like clearly the the choice for this role and um i still can't believe he said yes like he is like just legitimately He's one of the good. most talented hilarious people is he one of those actors again i i feel kind of naive about this but He's so good in the show with you. He really elevates every scene. I mean, he makes it, he makes it click. Yep. I remember him as a kid. He was like in, was it Freaks and Geeks or one of those shows? Like, wasn't he? He, he, was, when, on, he was on Superbad, that movie, the movie Superbad. Yeah, Superbad. Super yeah. yeah. And then what, and then like, where did he go? Like, is he, like, did you pull him out of nowhere like or warning. something? Do you hear that? Do you hear that beeping? What is it? Yeah. What is that? It's you got to go? No, I don't have to go. Oh. I don't know. It sounded like it was somebody's phone. They're warning about something. Oh my god, the fucking subway shooting yesterday. Yeah. How bad was oh, that? Wait. Oh. Oh. What? 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 Oh no, they're just asking for information or tips. It, I looked at the alert on the phone, and it it looked like there was another subway shooting, but there wasn't. Oh, it's it just okay. if anybody can find that guy. Um, yeah, please turn. They get fifty k. <laughs> like you. Yeah. Like who? Yeah. Need, who sees that guy and goes like? Hmm. I think I'll let him rock, you know, and like, oh, wait, 50 K, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, hey, maybe not I report him like, okay, what like, about he shot 16 people like, hey, I'm no snitch, but oh, 50 grand. I'll be a snitch. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, we'll go get him. 
Um, yeah. Or like lost dog days. Like, well, yeah. anyway, listen, anyway. the new show is fantastic. You're fantastic. Uh, Amy Schumer, um, she's probably working too hard. And, 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 and on top of everything else, I heard you're also bringing back the show where you experience new things all the time, where you like do a, you cook something or you no, no. skydive or something. Chris and I did a cooking show over the pandemic. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, Amy but learns I, to cook. Yeah, but I thought you were going to do a whole Amy learns to do a whole bunch of shit and then do another yeah, show. Yeah, we were going to, but then I realized that, you know, I wanted to keep our marriage going. <laughs> you got to slow down. You're working to, way hard. I know. I really like need a massage. Yeah. What's going on with you? I mean, you guys, I, have, I, you know what? I, I, I can't lay there for like a locks for an hour. I just can't do it. Are you Gotta serious? Yeah. I can't, I can't handle it. I would massage. let any like fully, I would, I would let anyone rub me. Like the, the circumstances would have to be so bad for me to say no to a massage. <laughs> anyway, well, you know what I meant you don't to have ask to be licensed. you? <laughs> well, I read that you you recently were talking about you went and got um, after you had surgery for endometriosis that you yeah. went and got uh, liposuction. Yeah. How how painful is that to get uh, the after the, a C-section, honey? <laughs> nothing. I mean, I mean it's not really, that bad. You know, I had. Oh, I had a C-section and then I had a laparoscopy, which a lot of people, it takes 10 years to get diagnosed with endometriosis. Like you're not supposed to have painful periods. Right. Um, if you have those, you probably have endometriosis. It's the most un underdiagnosed thing, but they don't do any studies on women's health because they need more Viagra. Um, we need to find <laughs> another, just, we need to focus more on like getting, you know, it's like a man's world. It's a man's world. A, gold a lot of bone pill. Yeah. And so they can't get around to that. But yes, I had, these surgeries and they found a tumor in my appendix. All my organs were choked by endometriosis, my ovaries, everything. And my uterus was just overrun with endometriosis. And, um, yeah, it manifests as pain. And I, I've been, I have chronic pain forever. Um, yeah. everything's really hard for me, which is another reason I don't like to go out very much. And, you know, I, I want to, I need to rest. I need to take care of myself. Anyway, after having a C-section and these surgeries, like, it, like my, my FUPA, it's just, it, you know, it's all, it's just over. It's just all over. And then, and then I went and I got something called the cool sculpt, yeah. which, um, I didn't care for. And, uh, Linda Evangelista definitely doesn't care for it. Uh, but right. some people love it. Uh, and I just thought, you know, and I got like, you get like laser stuff, you know, like, like sunspots and stuff. Like, I'm like, well, if I'm willing to go that far, you know, like, what am I willing to do to feel better about myself? Like I, I'm waking up and I'm going, Oh God. And I'm looking at the, you know, I mean, literally I, somebody Wolverines open your FUPA and like pulls out a watermelon. And then, you know, the people who bounce. What's a FUPA? Right How come I don't know this term? FUPA. Front upper pussy area. I feel like I don't oh, know. Oh, FUPA's upper pussy. <laughs> Why don't you just say upper pussy? You're talking to a, a, a caveman here. What do you mean FUPA? I, Honestly, thought you probably created the term FUPA. I don't. No. You are not out of touch like that. I mean, maybe now you are that you haven't left your house and I, I'm completely out of touch. I, a yes, FUPA is a term. I mean, who has to FUPA? A FUPA before the pandemic. A FUPA is the outside. Sorry. Did you have dinner with somebody outside? Yes, but okay. I would probably have you tested <laughs> first. I'm so <laughs> yeah, paranoid. <laughs> I was a germ phobe before. Yeah. Oh, you are. Yeah. I, I didn't know that about you. 
Are you like, are you, are you like, um, people know that you're like a germaphobe? Yeah. Yeah. I'm really. What are bad. you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Um, I'll definitely talk about my lipo, but just interesting. Oh my God. I'm afraid of, you know, just germs and cold. And, and, and I, I don't wonder what's, be... what's at the root of that. Oh, I know exactly what get, it is. I'm what? in therapy. Oh, I'm in did, therapy. Did, what is it? I, t- I, I, see, I said the hair thing, you know, you gotta. I see people as vampires and they're going to infect me. Well, where does that come from? Where do you think it comes from? Your mom? The burden, well, the burden of taking care of, uh, you know, people who need to be taken care of. And uh, it's a tremendous weight when you're a little kid to carry that weight. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um. Okay. Can we get back to my lipo? I'm sorry. You're just kind of going on yeah. and on. Why do you care about my life, for God's <laughs> sakes? It's so <laughs> ridiculous. Your life's interesting. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, let's get back to you. But it, anyway, it, yeah. I got lipo. Um, this guy, Dr. Turner, I love him. And he, um, is Dr. Uh, is dermatologist Amy Wexler. She recommended him to me. And, uh, yeah, but he, can I stop you for a second? When yeah? you say a term like FUPA, you learned that you thought it was upper pussy too. I, and, uh, but yeah, well, I'm saying, upper pussy you, area. You, no one says FUPA. That's a, comp- that's a very sophisticated uh, term. No, yeah, you're wrong. So. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. I mean, it's sophisticated, but pussy. Fupa. <laughs> Fupa. Yeah, I got it from the Webster's. Uh, I, 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 Robin, you never heard Fupa? No, it's new to me too. Oh yeah. shit! I gotta work that out because I've been saying it on stage. I reference my Fupa a lot. So People you had uh, you had a, a a fatty upper pussy, and you said to them, "Lipo it out." You said you that said, to the Lipo doctor. my pussy. Right. Um, wow. Wow. I didn't yeah, know you no, they, lipo they your lipo- pussy. Well, you know, that's the great thing about getting a C-section. Having the baby come out the sunroof. Yes. Your pussy stays good. <laughs> You're tight as a drum. You know, people get really, they feel, some women feel really like they failed having a C-section. But look, no. the Can only I thing that comes me is my still perfect puss, honestly. I have a friend who scheduled a C-section because she wanted to keep her pussy tight. She yeah. said to me, I don't want to yeah. sit there and have loose pussy. She yeah. did, and and I was like, okay, well, listen, I'm not going to judge. Why don't no, I give a I, shit? do whatever, and that's why I like, you know, lipo. I feel like, you know, you got to go to somebody good, and um, and it's expensive. Like, it's a definitely a privileged thing to get to do. But I just wanted to be open about it because I do look better. I look thinner, um, and uh, and clothes fit better, and I feel better about myself, and um. And I didn't want anybody to like see a picture of me and like even for one second think like, oh God, she lost weight. Like how did, you know, it's like, no, I just want to be real about it. Um, and also, do you worry, do you worry with mm-hmm. lipo? They say that when they remove the fat cells, that's what they're doing. They're sucking out the fat cells. But then they say, if you gain weight, it'll come in, in somewhere of strange places. Like it might even be in your forehead or in your What if armpit. I lifted up my hair and I had just like a goiter of fat? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <what you> mean. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, you know, like, I, yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to, I eat this stuff called Chroma, this diet, mm, Chroma yeah. wellness. I have it every day. I have their breakfast and they have bone broths and stuff. And, um, you know, I'm trying to keep it under control, but, you know, right. after the Oscars, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm just stopping emotionally eating from the Oscars. I'm a pasta head. I'm like, give me pasta or give me death. And I can't have gluten ep- or dairy because of my endo and, and after lime. The, <laughs> Don't after, I say fun? The, 
Yeah, after yeah, you're, you're a barrel of fun. Do, do, after <laughs> the Oscars, really go yeah, to dinner. <laughs> after the Oscars, and hair pulling. After the Oscars, did you really like? Did you start binge eating? Did you go like wild? Did you? Uh, did you? Yeah, I, well, that night I had an In and Out burger, um, <laughs> oh and pasta. Like I knew I was going to want pasta. Wow! So I I had it all lined up that I could come. I got I got home at like four a.m. or something, and. Chris was asleep and I sat next to him in bed because I'm an animal. Just he just has this <laughs> raccoon sleeping next to him every night, just twirling a fork. Just he just hears <laughs> a fork going and you know, it's gotta be really there's just I wake up every morning, there's like a chalk outline of crumbs around me and like it's I just I, like I mean a, yeah. like a crime scene. <laughs> right. It's really like a crime scene. I just people are like, Have you tried intermittent fasting? I'm like, I've I've lived with intermittent binging. Um, but no, I don't do like a Calista Flockhart in like, you know, after school special. Like, you know, I don't do that. But I, uh, I like, I really can't have gluten and dairy for, for my conditions. And, uh, and I definitely just like inhaled an in and out burger and pasta. And so in other words, really, I was hanging the- out there at the Vanity Fair party. I was hanging out by like the, uh, the door where hors d'oeuvres come out. I just, I, I posted up. And, uh, and then they finally just brought me my own plate of stuff because they were like, the servers need to like get to the rest of the party. Right. So and I thought that's fair. That's fair. Yep. Well, look, there's a million things to talk about, but I don't want to keep, I know you got to work all day today. How many sketches are you shooting today? We're shooting a lot of sketches today, actually. All right. You know who we had you. yesterday? It was, uh, Tim, Tim Meadows. He, he actually, oh. I begged him. He wrote on the show this season. And so Tim is in a bunch of sketches. He, I mean, he's just the funniest to me. Yeah, he's like guy. I think Tim Meadows from uh, from Saturday Night Live. That's what I, I mean, he was, he's my favorite all time cast member. Is, is he, he gets one of those overlooked? Guys, you know, is, I know. Is he is he one of those guys that um, like he's probably like a really great writer and stuff, and then gets yeah. overlooked? Be, you, you know what I mean? He, he gets overlooked yeah. because you. you you know, maybe in for some reason the performance gets overlooked, but he's but but you know he's a genuinely funny guy. He's a genius. You know? I love him. He's really good. Oh, you work- yeah. He, uh, so you you're working hard today. So um, well, listen, yeah. you're the hardest working woman in show business. You're a family woman. You're a um. You've got your new show, Life and Beth, currently on Hulu. You're going to be working with Steve Martin and Martin Short on their show. You're going to uh, now put together five episodes of Inside Amy Schumer, which was so and popular. And Arrival Stories is in bookstores, and it's women sharing their stories of their birth. It's like, you know, people like Better Doulas and um, CEOs, Serena Williams, Lala Anthony, Ashley Grant. You know, it's like my story, because women don't really share their stories, um, you know. So even, like, friends don't really share what, what goes no. down, so. And you know what I learned about you today, which I never knew before, that that you have a tight vagina, that uh, oh because you had a C-section. Yeah, I'm I'm building it up too much. I when I get in the bathtub, I feel like I'm filling up. It's something changed when you <laughs> have a baby. <laughs> but I do, I do have pussy pride. What does that where's mean? My, where's my parade? <laughs> what does that mean, uh, pussy pride? Really, tell the audience because uh, you do oh, have pussy pride. I, um, thank you. Um, I don't have fupa pride. I have. I have poo bread. Um, I, uh, yeah, I just, I feel like I have a dope pussy. Like, yeah, I just and I believe and, in and it. And once you, and once you get your fupa reduced, you can really see your pussy better. My pussy is on such display right now. The only thing is I didn't get my breasts done and they're, I mean, they're just, 
I don't know where they're going, but it's not up. <laughs> did you breastfeed? Oh, up is not about my breasts. Yeah, I did breastfeed. And and, and what I they look like? Chris. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> do, do they look? What what are the, what what is? You know, that's another you thing in your new show. Please please show me. From I'm a not medical no. to be honest, so they're I, all ready to go. By the way, in your new show, I found it heartbreaking the scene where the boys trick you into lifting your top up. And, um, and <laughs> did they trick me? It seemed like uh, they just offered us beers, and I lifted my shirt. But yeah, it was that ha- really that was another traumatic thing. That happened yeah. in real life, oh, where yeah. you got tricked into showing the boys your titties. Yes, yeah, oh, but yeah. I thought I, I thought I thought we, all the girls we all flashed them. They they convinced us, but I thought we were all like lifting our bras too. But my friends just lifted their shirts, so everyone was <laughs> looking at me, and I'm like, well, I don't they, know. The wait boys. a second, what are they in looking real at me life, for? But in real life, did the kids say pancake tits then yeah. afterwards? Yes. They did. They made fun of I, me. I, I, you, know, you know, we didn't have porn then. Like, we didn't, like, have access like that. You know, so I didn't, you didn't know that, like, everybody is a different body. You know, I just kind of assumed, like, that probably everybody, I, I, it was total news to me that my nipples were big. Right. Oh, my God. Poor, you know, when do you were pulling your hair out of your head? <laughs> you had all that shit going on at home. Kids are calling yeah. you pancake tits. Hey, vey. I they. You know what I want to say? You know what I want to announce here, which is exciting and worth all the pancake and the hair and the lipo and everything, is that um, Hulu and Endeavor Content have picked up Life and Beth for a second season. All Excellent. Right. I'm happy to hear that. I can't wait to I'm see so where the show goes. Yes. Good for you. When did you get the news? Honestly, I just got a text right now. Look at you texting and talking at the same time. I'm well, very my impressed. Agent, That's busy. Yes, <laughs> I, I really wanted. To, I really wanted to share that news on here. You know, I mean, what could be bigger? Yeah. All right. So watch Amy and Life and Beth. You'll have a second season to look forward to on Hulu. You can hear Amy on Netflix as a joke. Radio Channel ninety three. Um, what else? Uh, the book. Well, I'd like to say you can read Howard Stern's many books, uh, including Private Parts. And you can watch the film Private Parts. And <laughs> yes. you can hear him on Sirius. And you can see him if you um, are in his home. <laughs> can I say something? If you, you're allowed in. <laughs> you now are the first guest to ever give me a plug on my show. <laughs> I plug so many. Really, I've been wanting you. to plug you since I met you. Yeah, I know. Everyone does. You know what, Amy? I wanted to say one thing, and that is that what the show means to me, because most people looking at you and your success would think you had a perfect life. That's right. And that none of these traumas ever happened to you. And it shows that you can survive trauma, be functional, be successful. And that's the story we hardly ever get told. There you go. Saying that, Robin. There you go. And I All also, right. I want to, my last thing, I want to plug the book Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. If anybody reads a book, come talk to me. I'd love to talk well, to anybody about the book Cast. Thank God I always say that you had a horrible childhood because look <laughs> at the humor we're getting out of it. Look at the shows <laughs> that it's just. We're all benefiting. Thank God you it lived is. across from the links. <laughs> yes. Oh, we can talk about that forever. Oh, oh my God. God. I used to go over there. I'd sneak, I'd, I'd sneak under the wires and, uh, because there's a, a barbed wire fence and I'd piss right on the lawn. It was fucking oh. great. I would do it around midnight. I used to walk yes. up and down Long Beach Road and just cross the street and piss on the golf course. I don't know why that's making me course. so <laughs> Your silent protest. You that. pissed on the course. Okay. Yeah, okay yeah, Chris yeah. and I will get tested and we'll quarantine. We'll do whatever we have to do. I'd love to get dinner with you. I, I love that. Oscar. Ho- Listen to what I'm going to say right now. Yeah. 
Okay. Get ready. Oscar host, writer, <gasps> actress, comedian, <gasps> and currently hunting the Brooklyn subway shooter. That's right. Thank you for that. And Thank I only want 25K when I bring him in. There you go. Well, I'd sneak, I'd, I'd sneak under the wires and uh, because it has a barbed wire fence and I'd piss right on the lawn. It was fucking oh. great. I would do it around midnight. I used to walk yes. up and down Long Beach Road and just cross the street and piss on the court. I don't know why that's making me so <laughs> Your silent protest, you that. pissed on the course. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, Chris yeah. and I will get tested and we'll quarantine. We'll do whatever we have to do. I'd love to get dinner with you. I, I love that. Oscar host. Listen to what I'm going to say right now. Yeah, okay. Get ready. Oscar host, writer, <gasps> actress, comedian, <gasps> and currently hunting the Brooklyn subway shooter. That's right. Thank you for that. And Thank I only want 25K when I bring him in. There you go. Well, okay. Okay. What can we say? You said it all. Okay. I'm and, and and hey, did you know Gilbert at all? Gilbert Gottfried? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Loved Gilbert. Same. People wouldn't guess that he was like the most like the most timid, sweetest. Oh, Actually, yeah. it reminds me of Bridget Everett, because when you meet her, you like you you would never imagine that she's a performer she is. But Gilbert was so kind to me and was like just the funniest person and yeah, I that was a really sad one. I didn't yeah. like sob, but tears came. Oh, right, tears. right. How about you? you? Know, he, you was, he was on my show 143 times. That's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Are you going to, I'm sure you're going to do a whole episode of him. We're going to do a whole weekend. We're going to replay a lot of his stuff because yeah. he did, he did some, uh, some really, uh, really funny things. Naturally funny guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Listen, enough sad stuff. Let's end on a happy note. Happiness. Okay. Okay. Happiness. Much love. Don't uh, forget. Thank God for your pussy. Don't and forget. thank God for, what is it called again? A fupa? My fupa. New my, one on me. Yeah. I keep and a journal with words, with words that I don't know. And I'm going to put fupa in there today. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. I am. But but you made the there. journal. Yeah. <laughs> Cunnilingus I know. You know, I bet you do, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> and Robin anyway, knows. Well, Robin knows everything about FUPA. Oh, Believe she me, wrote she, the book. she wrote, wrote the book. She taught me a few things. All right, listen, Amy Schumer, <laughs> you right. got a big day ahead of you. Thank you for giving me a ridiculous Thank amount you, of time. I love you. I love you, Robin. Love Thank you, you again for having me on here. It's bye, the best Amy. Right, Amy bye. Schumer, everyone, her new show, Life and Life Beth. and Beth. Life and Beth. Hulu. Mm, I see Ralph's on the phone. He took care of my, hell ge- my hair gel problem. What'd really? you do? Go ahead, give me the report. The report is, I, I took care of it, there, and I had it sent right to the house. There's six bottles waiting for you as soon as you get off the air. Oh, you Howard, did that, Howard. Howard, 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 Howard please may I just... Beth just texted me right before the interview started. Right. There's six what? bottles waiting for you at home. Yeah, uh, she just didn't have time to. She didn't have time to open the boxes <laughs> while your in-laws were over. So Ralph had oh. nothing to do with this. <laughs> Oh. oh, okay. All right. So well, like, good. So in other words, the the stuff we ordered a while ago came. It's yeah, there. but I, but, but oh, I did get a that I but I did call the company and I got a contact there, and uh, so you won't have any uh, problem in the future. All right, Ralphie, way to go. Okay, all right, Ralph, way to take credit. And uh, yeah, but he was trying to steal <laughs> valor, you little devil. That's, oh, that's my God. boy. That's my boy. <laughs> He's a can-do guy. You got to admit. You got to admit. I, wow. I supervise very well. <laughs> well, all right, Ralphie boy. Thank you. God, thank you. So happy. When I find a good hair gel, 
I do not want to, you know, I, I was bummed out. I, I, I thought I couldn't get it. Love that fucking hair gel. You, you acted like it was like the shoes that they discontinued. No, they still make this product. They make it. You can't get your hands on it, Robin. It's like they make it from, uh, you know, from, from, from human baby fetus or something. You know, like, 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 that's right. Secret... We're still waiting for those baby yeah, fetuses right. to come in. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a product. I don't know why I can't get my hands on it. It's just a hair product. I, I find something I like. I never, it's always rare. I can't get, get my hands on it. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. Boy, Amy's been through a lot. And, uh, yes, she has. Well, an incredible story, yeah. There you go, Robin. You have an incredible story, too. Don't kid yourself. No, we all have incredible stories. Everybody's got at least one. Well, I'm going to say because you can't. You have the most incredible story. No, 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 no. Yes, yes. Uh, this thing, this new thing that people are vampires, uh, that was new about you today. I was like, well, I brought Whoa. you. I brought you into <laughs> my therapy session. Yeah. Yeah. You're not a vampire, but... Everyone else. <laughs> All right. Robin, I love you this weekend, Robin. And you better remember this because sometimes you go, no one told me, but I'm telling you again. All right. You're telling love. me now. This I weekend, we're dedicating you, Howard 101 to Gilbert Gottfried, showcasing yeah. our favorite moments from the show. Next week on Howard 101, <laughs> some of the greatest Stern Show stories that have taken place over multiple shows. Next week, we are playing those moments back to back as one cohesive storyline as the Stern Show turns. Uh, we got uh, so much going on, Robin, on these channels. People, people in radio say, how do you do it? How, how do we do these uh, shows? But uh, everyone is excited about next week and all of this stuff and the Gilbert Gottfried. Go for you, go for you. Thank you, go for you. Go for you, go for you. Go for you. And good go for you too. Go for you, go for you, go for you. Robin has to leave now. She has to go set all 17 of her snooze alarms to get ready for the next day. <laughs> for so next she, week, has, yeah. she has a very full schedule. <laughs> and uh, there you go. What can I say? What can I say? Robin, anything you want to say before we leave? I think you've said it all, but uh, I don't know. Uh, no, I, I just no. had a little scream uh, this morning because something happened. And I had oh, to I go know out happened. of the room and scream for a moment. And then I came back in and I got right into the show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell now, alert the media. <laughs> Robin had a mishap this morning at the start of the show. She has her special drink. As you know, Robin has many concoctions she drinks. That's how you get healthy and 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 you live life like robin you have to have special drink and uh her special drink was all prepared and it spilled and all let over me, me tell you yeah. all over robin that fucking special drink was all over and that special drink is hard You're to get out of your clothes get inside me not on right. me right <laughs> a special drink special never drink. again do i come in here with a, a drink without a top on it because that's what happened ah. I'm so glad to hear you say that and take responsibility. <laughs> Good for you. You already have a solution. This is why I adore you. Well, I uh, still have to try to figure out how to lift this glass off this desk because there's drink under the glass. Uh, hold on a second, Robin. 
Uh, Captain Dennis, code red, code red. <laughs> Captain Dennis, please come in. I, we have special drink uh, accident. Code red. You know, Robin, this is just another chapter in your amazing story. Your special drink spell. You think you got problems? Yeah. Anyone who thinks they have problems, think about if you had special drink and no lid on it and it's spilled all over. By the way, did you ever have, you know, special drink is something you have. It's part of your regimen. Were you able during the show to get a new special no, drink? No, in no, there? I no. Just, I don't oh. have to mix up another one. Oh, fuck. You're off schedule. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't know why I spent so much time with Amy Schumer when you had this going on. This is way I more important. I should be off having my special drink. You're still talking. Right. <laughs> oh, God. Well, let's not wait another minute. <laughs> but, Rob, before we leave, and, I, and this no, is a special part of the show. I really thought it was funny because I literally walked out of here and went into another room and screamed. <laughs> Just like, what? <laughs> what the fuck does that sound like? Because you have a beautiful voice. I would think you'd want to protect your speaking voice, which is your Well, when butter. you have that kind of rage built up in you. It's just like Amy said, you got to feel your feelings and let them out. Wow. And I knew I'd never be able to get into the show feeling the way I was feeling. Wow. So I walked outside and I screamed. Let me think. Can I do it, do it now? Can I go do ahead. it? I'll, I'll, okay. Go ahead. It was like, I have to stand up. I will All never right, go be ahead. Able this is Robin recreating up. what happened. All right. I walked out and I walked into another room and I went, ah! Oh, my God. I could never do that. <laughs> wow. Now it hurts because that wasn't yeah, real. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Even Gilbert is laughing at that. <laughs> Robin, you'll be excited to know we're going to end the show on a special note. Before you leave and have your special drink, here is J.D. Harmeyer. J.D. He has words of inspiration. J.D., I'm going to turn to you right now. <laughs> what words what can you say? Yes. Say to our audience, Amy Schumer was so inspirational. Robin was just inspirational with her story of special drink. Say something profound right now. <laughs> I got uh, just have a good uh, weekend. Have a good week. Uh, try to enjoy yourselves. Uh, not, try not to let the bad things make you feel too bad. And, uh, you know, just uh, keep on living. Thank you. Right. Keep on living. Keep I'm on take that. living. Words <laughs> to live by. Thank you. Words Thanks. for my journal. Keep on living. There you go. And scream yeah, if you yeah. have to. I'm gonna call my mom. I'm going to call my mom right away and tell her, keep on living. You know what JD said today, mom? Uh, that'll cheer her up. Well, very special words from a special person, JD Harmeyer. And uh, Robin, I'm sorry about Ooh. your uh, drink. Uh, well, I'll know, try to save everything here you know you joke around about this stuff but i'll tell you something every morning i have the same breakfast and if i don't get that breakfast i'm a bear the rest <laughs> of the of the day i gotta have it when i wake up i rush i brush my teeth i quickly throw on my clothes and i have to have my yogurt with cashews and pistachios and blueberries Mm -hmm. with a cup of hot water I, ha I live for it i love 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 it and I could only imagine what your what you had to go through not having your special drink when you're used to having it. You're a trooper, and I admire the fact that you got through the whole show without special drink. Okay, that's what I want. Well, it was it was tough, but I did wanted. I said, "You you gotta pull it together." And you did. <laughs> All right. 
And she has a beautiful fupa. She wants you to know. That. <laughs> you know who you that remind me of? That was a new term on even me. I never heard mm-hmm. that one before. That's, I was embarrassed to ask. I was like, what's a fupa? I'm glad you, you did because I thought everybody knew but me. <laughs> no, we both don't know. Well, anyway, like President Zelensky, you persevered this morning and you really, uh, you, you did. Well, you know, so. there are tragedies and there are tragedies. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you. Bye bye.